Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hey, everyone. It's good old buddy Tony Schiavone. You know, we've had so much fun bringing you what happened when each and every week. And this could not be done without your love, your support, your love of wrestling, and your constant feedback. It means the world to me, to my buddy Conrad Thompson, to Lois, and the entire staff at WHW. Heck, it means everything to the family. And I want to let you know that we are here for you in so many ways that you don't even realize. And that's why we've come up with SaveCade.com. The very best way for you to save on your mortgage, reduce your monthly payments, get out of debt faster, and even put money back in your pocket. It's simple and easy. Just go to our website at SaveK.com, fill out the form. There's no obligation, and you may not even need an appraisal. Start saving immediately with SaveK.com and the great people at First Family Mortgage. Lower your monthly payments. Possibly skip your next two house payments. Thanks again from all of us at WHW. Today, right today, log on to SaveK.com and put your butt in a seat that will help save you money. MNLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome to WHW Monday. Tony Schiavone and Conrad Thompson. Jim Crockett for Starcade, 605 NWA, TV title, Cajun Army, the Bunkhouse Stampede, Flair and Horseman, Garvin, Bogey, Magnum, Dusty, Express Tag Team, Turner, Bottom, Mid-South Joy World Championship Wrestling. Talking about the great years of World Championship Wrestling, the NWA and Jim Crockett Promotions. Tony and friends what they win, look, Shivani's back again, World Title Split, Off Center Stage, Bischoff, Disney, Hogan, and Nitro, New World Order, and The Crow, under Russo, Arquette Champ, Vinny Mac, Simulcast. Tony's back with Conrad, not your classy podcast. Watch along, try not to laugh, Lois rules, cat back. This wasn't the initial plan, Tom Ziggs a good looking man. Klondike Bill, make a tip. Tommy, you come over here. What happened when? WHW Monday. And now, let's go to the ring. And here's your co-host, Hey Hey, it's Conrad Thompson. Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to What Happened When? Monday on the MLW Radio Network and the Master of Ceremonies, Mr. Tony Schiavone is live and in color this week. What's up, buddy? How you doing, man? Man, I'm excited to have you back here. It feels like you've probably got some, I don't know, rather tragic memories of this room. Yeah, because I'm almost died in this room. In that exact seat. In this exact seat. But we've taken precautions this time. First of all... Casio has mandated no ice for you. You have to drink from the can only like the okay. redneck you are. Yeah. And two, Matt Coon is no longer welcome at the Conradison. Yeah. So 
No one will be able to give commentary, yeah. poor commentary, but commentary on your death. I appreciate Casio. Fuck Matt Coon. Just thought I'd throw those two things out there. Uh, I don't think anybody else is, so why not? <laughs> why not? Exactly, yeah. yeah exactly. Go. Hey, but it's good to be back with you here looking at you face-to-face. Uh, it, it's been a great week. Uh, it's been a great week that, you know, uh, MLW uh, Fusion is on, uh, and uh, I, I watched some of it. You forced me to watch some of it. Well, I feel like I should mention um, it was appointment television at the Conradison. I had two great wrestling friends in town, Mr. Dick Bourne from the MidAtlanticGateway.com and Brian Rogers. Nobody knows him except the people at the post office. But still, they were here in town, and they said, hey, do you have BN Sports? And I'm like, what the fuck are you saying? And then they reminded me that you were debuting on BN Sports, so we recorded it, which was – um, I mean, we watched it live too, but I was saying we recorded it because I knew you had told me, Hey, I don't have it on my cable system, right, I don't, but yeah. a lot of people can actually watch it on the app and all the details on how you can catch that show. If you'd like to see Tony call real wrestling again for the first time, uh, are available at MLW.TV. Here's the big joke at the Shivani house. You know, uh, Lois rules is big time right wing. Absolutely. As right wing as you can get. And I, before it aired or before during the week, I said, Hey, sweetie, I just thought I'd let you know that being sports is part of Al Jazeera. <laughs> she went, what? I said, yes, the Arabs are helping fund us. I feel like that's missing in wrestling. No, it's not. WWE's <laughs> Royal Rumble this Friday. Check it out. Friday's at noon. You know, yeah. it's weird, Tony, because... Yeah, it's weird you're a fucking sellout. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I mean, I am sold out. I sold out two shows over New Orleans weekend. I think... I, I you, think know, you know what I'm saying. Oh, that I'm getting checks? Yes. Aren't you getting checks? Yeah. Wait, so you're saying I should get checks from Court Bauer instead of Vince McMahon? <laughs> Help me understand. You know what I'm saying. I mean, no disrespect you're a network to guy. You know you're I am. By the way, number one on the network. Have I told you that? No, but... I heard that, and it doesn't surprise me. We got a call Friday night that said that uh, the Wednesday downloads exceeded expectations for the whole week. Mm -hmm. Thursday more than doubled what Wednesday did, and Friday doubled what Thursday did, and we were number one with a bullet. And this week, we're hoping to take down the Royal Rumble. (laughs) Not really. It's a joke. Yeah, I know. They're fine folks, and we support everything they do on the WWE Network for only $9.99. Right. You're talking about you support everything the WWE does. Well, why wouldn't I? I thought you were talking about supporting Saudi Arabia. I wasn't sure what you were talking about. We support everything that Saudi Arabia does. And that's why our gas prices are are two sixty nine a gallon. Lois, can you calm down? <laughs> okay. We're going to talk about Spring Stampede 1994. We're veering off into a Jim Cornette podcast right there, if we're uh, careful. Okay, well. Um, yeah. No politics here. No. None. No, if you want politics, find Lois Rules on Ooh. Twitter. Uh, it's probably some on there. Ooh. So let's talk about Spring Stampede 94. You know, when you found out we were covering this, what was the first thing that jumped to mind? First thing that jumped to mind was we were getting ready to get into the Hulk Hogan era. That's right. Uh, and after going back and watching this, I, I realized that we even mentioned Hulk's name. But it was kind of like we mentioned his name, but we didn't oversell it. So it, from my memory... We were thinking Hulk Hogan was coming in, but the deal wasn't completed yet. So we just kind of mentioned it. You know, we mentioned that Ric Flair said that he would give Hulk Hogan uh, ringside seats. And we mentioned Hulk Hogan another time. Uh, and that was it. We basically got to the match. But also, 
as I watched this match again, we had some great matches leading up to Flair and Steamboat. And I thought Flair and Steamboat kind of started out slowly, but boy, they really picked up steam there at the end of it. Well, we're going to cover it here live with you. We'd like for you to watch along with us. Where can they watch along, Tony? They can watch. <laughs> I don't know. Why don't you tell them where they can watch On the WWE Network. It's only $9.99. And when you get done watching something else to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, be sure to check out Spring Stampede 1994. And, uh, Tony, we usually yep. have a little help from Lois to yep. count us down, but I think this week we should switch it up. What do you think? Okay, we can switch it up. Uh, let me say that if you want, uh, the only way you can catch me on the network is to watch along here since I'm not on the network. Actually, yep. you are on the network a lot. You f- sold your soul a few years ago, <laughs> flew to Stanford, uh-huh. made sure not to do your hair that day, <laughs> as usual. So they got authentic Tony. And you had a Georgia Bulldog sweater on. <laughs> And you did lots of commentary about WCW back in the day. Do you right. recall this? Right. It, it was the Monday Night Wars. That's right. That's right. So uh, you were telling me I sold out. Let's do more about that now. <laughs> are we ready to roll yet, motherfucker? We are. Okay. We are. Okay. Who's going to count down for us? I think, um, well, I mean, in honor of you being on BN Sports, uh-huh. I think we should have count- Casio Kid countdown in Spanish. Okay. So on the count of whatever three is in Spanish from Casio here, okay. uh, we'll make it happen. Uno, Woo. dos, tres, play. <laughs> What's the Spanish word for play? Uh, El Playo. Here uh, we go, Tony. We're off to the race. We're off to the races. Pretty good. Well, a very good uh, look at the angles going heading to this one with, of course, Brian Pillman and, and of course, Steve Regal. And there's our nasty boys. You're getting ready to see a pretty damn good hardcore match, really, the Chicago Street Fight that's that's coming up here in, the, in this. And I when I looked at this, Conrad, I thought, and there's Muda, I man, Austin, fuck, we were loaded with talent, weren't we? Absolutely. Holy I mean, this shit. is, and here's the deal. It's no surprise. I mean, I know people like to bag on wrestling in 94, but it's worth mentioning. You guys had 12,200 folks here, and this went down on April 17th, 94 at the Rosemont Horizon in Chicago. Around 9,000 of those were paying tickets uh, for a $125,000 gate, which is actually the largest crowd and gate for WCW since Baltimore's Great American Bash in 1990 with Flair and Sting. This is a hell of a house for you guys. And it's a victory for us because we were able to run the Rosemont Horizon. It, it, absolutely. It's worth mentioning that this had historically been a WWF building. Right. It, they even ran Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan here back in 1991. And this is the biggest house for either promotion in this building since that show. So Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, and now Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat. Pretty good company. Pretty good company. Well, we're going to open this show with Mean Gene Okerlund and Jesse the Body Ventura. Uh, two big mistakes here. Uh, number one, I mean, Heenan was tremendous on commentary, and I was really stoked about working with him. But you got Mean Gene Okerlund, the greatest interviewer ever, by far. And he's not really going to interview anybody here. He's going to say something to Jesse, and Jesse's going to do the interviews in the show. He's going to bring in Jesse. A little inside thing here. Jesse is going to be talking about money, that I'm a million dollars richer. We know what that's about. You know what? That, that's about WWE. That's exactly right. Jesse right. Ventura had sued uh, for royalties. He right. felt like they had used his likeness. Right. And he got a million dollars. There's lots of comments here from both sides, mm-hmm. both Mean Gene and Jesse, that, hey, he's looking like a million bucks. Right. <laughs> right. And that, that's going to come up as soon as Aaron Neville sings our national anthem. I'm going to need you to uh, freestyle. <laughs> okay. 
Aaron Neville here because this is the most hilarious singing of the national anthem in the history of pay-per-view. And the rockets red glare, bump bunch of bombs in the air, gave proof through the night. No say ten ten There's all to the flag Motherfuckers I'm gonna I'm gonna go straight to hell for this one. He's got bombs coming out of his pants. Oh, that's a dissolve. Okay. I thought he had bombs coming out of his pants. If, look uh, at him. It looks like he raided DDP's closet, doesn't it? Yeah, well, look, look, I love this guy. I do. He was a big fan and he could really, really sing. He really could. He did a concert once, yeah. years after the fact, yeah. wearing a road wild blue jean jacket. <laughs> yes, he did. How fucking random is that? <laughs> I know. Big fan of ours. This was like the second time he had sung the national anthem for us. The first time we were in New Orleans, and he just showed up that night, and Dusty said, hey, you want to do the fucking anthem? And he went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we stuck him on there. Uh, so there, and uh, and here, here we are. Me and Bobby the Brain Heenan opening up the show. Heenan was really, really good in this. It's worth going back and watching. Download it a second time. Help uh, line Conrad's pockets. That's right. Okay. Download it a second time and, and watch it because Heenan was really, really good there. And I was really excited. I was really, you know, a- as we went along, I think we talked about it. Heenan kind of lost his his love for WCW and he was very upset. But right now, Heenan is really excited about our product. He's excited about being there. Second pay-per-view he's worked. And I'm pumped because, look, I'm working in the same building with Bobby Heenan Jesse Ventura, Gene Okerlund, and me. Not only that, I'm I'm pretty fucking skinny here. You know, is it me or does Bobby Heenan look like he's dressed like a cruise director right here? <laughs> right. Yeah, the Cumberbund looks like it is from uh, like the Grand Caymans or something. So now we're going to go. I, I think we're going to go to. Johnny, Whoa! Look at this shit. Johnny fucking be bad. Oh, God. Dressed like the, the gay cowboy from Pee Wee Herman. Actually, when I saw the hat, I thought it was Shawn Michaels with a bad, ta- uh, bad uh, tan. Shawn uh, Michaels? Yeah, the hat. No, Sean Michaels never wore this goofy shit. Okay. Look at this. Okay. Can you believe this guy's talking to our youth? What is he doing? Yeah, right. And pretty soon he's going to get the, uh, the get the gun. You know, he probably had to get the gun to get Brock Lesnar off his wife. <laughs> okay. He's going to get the gun and he's going to stick it between the old legs here. And of course he's going to douse it, ooh, douse everybody with uh, with glitter. So we're all pretty excited about it. good opening match. No, it's uh, not. Don't you don't you put that on them? This is a fucking Johnny B. Bad match. How good could it really fucking? Oh, look at that! Uh, confetti is yeah. still a thing. I saw recently when you guys crowned Shane Strickland the MLW World Champion. There was a confetti, and and I couldn't help but think this is very Johnny B. Badish. You thought that was Johnny B. Badish? Yes. Okay. So Johnny B. Bad basically owns confetti now. Anytime you see confetti in wrestling, you're going to think about Johnny B. Bad. I do. I did when Daniel Bryan won at WrestleMania 30, and they were going, yes, yes, yes. I feel like this was his gimmick. By the way, Dusty Rhodes, booking genius, creative genius, is this his worst idea ever? What, Johnny B. Bad? Yes. No, it's not. Midnight Riders is his worst idea ever. Oh, it's not. All right, let's talk about what's going on here. 
Look okay. at fucking DDP. I need you to describe <laughs> this. Great friend of the show, but yeah. holy cow, what the fuck is going on with him? Yeah, DDP went somewhere in Marietta and got this top. And those uh, those they had to do a lot of work. Those glasses is tinsel from his Christmas tree. It looks like you know what's funny though is when when I see him coming out here, he looks like he's from a time warp. And then you see Kimberly, and you're like, boy, that shit never went out of style. No, no, you didn't. It apparently went out of style with our director Craig Leathers though, because Craig obviously didn't take enough shots of her. I mean, this is. I mean, I think people sort of sleep on Kimberly. Uh, yes, sir. And not with. Calm okay. down. Okay. Uh, Kimberly is like. Top five most beautiful women in the history of professional wrestling? Yes, absolutely. Maybe top three. And it just makes you wonder, like, how good of a fucking salesman is DDP? First of all, he sold us on him being in wrestling, and and Kimberly was really the deal. Well, But behind the scenes, Kimberly, I mean, Uh he had to sell her, and now he's selling us DDP yoga. I think we should crown him the greatest salesman in the history of professional (laughs) wrestling. He could be one of them. Now... The sales job he may have done on Kimberly may have to do with, I don't know, the size of the Johnson, you think? No, I mean, listen, if, that's, if that was her game, she'd have been hollering at old Colonel Robert Parker in the backstage <laughs> area, would she not? You may have noticed that someone is putting a sign up that says, we want Chris and Tammy. Have you noticed that? I have not noticed okay. that. They were uh, over like Rover in Smoky yeah. Mountain at the time. Yeah. Boy, about we're... to set the world on fire for the WWF. I guess we should catch you up here. We talked about what a great success this was for the live house. Well, they did a lot on pay-per-view too. 122,000 buys, only a 0.53 buy rate, but that represents 1.37 million. So not a ton of money by today's standards, but in a down period in wrestling here, you guys had to be pleased with that. It was a down period for us. I, I, we brought in Oakland. We brought in uh, Bobby Heenan, uh, and Eric was in the midst of bringing in Hulk Hogan, which we thought would turn us around, which obviously ev- eventually it did. But we were right on that. We, we were in a – I thought we were in a period right now either that things were really start to go high, good, or go down. And um, – good thing for us that was like some john madden level breakdown there you know if you score more (laughs) points you usually win hey so let's talk about the uh logo on the mat here for wcw it's like this crosshairs sharpshooter style marksman style logo right whose idea was that why did you guys start putting it on the mat what can you tell us about that Uh, that logo was one that was designed by uh people that were employed by eric bischoff and eric liked that he uh eric always thought that and you've talked to Eric, I know, always thought that you need a logo that is recognizable, that once people see it, they'll know what it is. And that's why he eventually came out with that shitty thing that looked like this exploding vagina that we would see later down the road. But he. Kimberly's standing right there. Will you calm down? <laughs> so let's talk about Spring Stampede because we don't see another one until 1997. You guys didn't do a Spring Stampede for 95 or 96. What was the thinking in not making it a regular part? Was somebody not up on the name or can, do you have any insight on that or I don't have any insight on that with the exception of there's, there's a market, there was a marketing department with WCW that liked things and didn't like things. And spring stampede had a very cowboy connotation to it. Let's talk a little bit about, um, Hulk Hogan. Cause you've brought him up a few times now on the Saturday night leading up to this event. So the prior night, Gene Okerlund says that he had talked to Hulk Hogan and he's going to be sitting ringside, right? which you guys actually sort of plug again here during the show, but he's never even scheduled to come to this show. And the agreement wasn't even worked out until earlier in the week. So 
Meltzer would say it was nothing more than deceptive advertising in the Saturday show. And considering he doesn't show, it's kind of hard to argue, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, let him try to go, I mean, go book the shit. First of all, if you're going to get a Hulk Hogan eventually, why wouldn't you drop his fucking name? Right? Right. And apparently it didn't do, if we only had a .5 buy rate, the people didn't come in droves expecting to see Hulk Hogan. So I think we positioned it as well as we could. Behind the scenes. Here. I mean, I could have stood up and said, hey, guess what? Hulk Hogan's coming to a spring stampede. Dave Meltzer, make sure you're there to watch it. We didn't say anything like that. Talk me through Ric Flair's role sort of backstage at the time. Of course, he had played, you know, part-time booker, full-time booker, head booker, uh, on the committee, out of the committee, every which way but loose. At this point, what was his role backstage? I think his... His role backstage to me was like it always had been. He was always Ric Flair, and he always was. He, you know, we talk so much. I'm, I'm, I'm serious about this. We talk so much about Hulk Hogan being in charge of his his own gimmick, but Ric Flair was too, if he wanted to be. They would have never, if Ric Flair put his foot down on anything they would ask him to do, they would have done what Ric Flair wanted to do. Except for that time that they got in a death feud and sued the fuck out of each other. Right, right. But I'm, I'm talking about as far as the ring is concerned. Flair became our booker, and I'm not so sure what the time was. He became the head booker. Right. Maybe around this time. And he was, as much as I love him, he was a terrible head booker. Well, and we haven't talked about this, but let me tell you why he was a terrible head booker. Because he needed uh, Ritalin. It's short it, okay. attention span. Right. The attention span of a nap. Right. That's why I say he needed Ritalin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he, a great guy, but he, he will not sit still. No. And he's every which way. He's like a shark. He's got to keep moving. Right. We would, we, would, we would sit down in the committee meeting. I won't say booking committee meeting, but we would sit down in the meeting, and Flair would sit at the head of the table, and I swear, 10 minutes into it, he would say, uh, JR, I need to talk to you, or somebody I need to talk to and they get up and they would do, they would go outside and walk and do like a kayfabe sidebar. And we all stand there with our dick in our hand and Flair would come back in. And then he would say, Oh, I got to take a phone call. And then he would fucking leave. He was creatively in his mind. He was great about booking Ric Flair. Stuff great he at, cared about. Great about calling matches, about running a booking committee. He didn't want to do it. I don't think, I think he took it thinking that he wanted to do it. But then when they, when it started, he didn't want to do it at all. You know, there's been a rap about a guy like Bobby Eaton, because I've often questioned, like, when everybody's sort of saying that he's the best, hey, take a look here. Look at there. Oh, man, Johnny B. Bad. Gets the win. And I hope we get a replay here, because I'm going to need you to call it, Mm. because it was sort of an interesting-looking visual for the finish. Okay, we'll take a look at it one more time, as Kimberly and Diamond Dallas Page are arguing on the far side. Also, during this match, Bobby Heenan was presented this uh, BH diamond-studded and something, and we forgot to show it on TV. Take a look, and over the top goes Johnny B. Bad with a crossbody. Can't pin him there, you dumbass. And now, with a sunset flip, rolls him through, nose right in the goofus, and there you go. Man, his nose right in his asshole. He had a mouthful of gluten-free waffles. Wow, did he? he? (laughs) Man, nose buried right deep in the asshole in the winter, 
is Johnny B. Bad. That's that's the name of the move, actual move. Nose full of nose, asshole. Nose in the asshole. That's right. I feel like... Um, <laughs> that should be a shirt. It should be. Nose over in, at yeah. LoisRules.com. Yeah, Lois it might be, actually. Okay. Right. So let's talk about that match before, because I think we sort of slept on this, because they've wrestled, it feels like, in the opening match on every show you and I have ever covered. Exactly. I and don't know what was going on there. It's like they had a best of seven for the motivational speakers <laughs> right it was tony robbins versus zig ziglar in a fucking death match <laughs> yeah well who are we to say right one was fucking kimberly and one was uh, fucking the other girl sable sable so um, those are the two best salesmen in the whole company <laughs> that's right they or, sold their way onto the card or okay here's me and gene okerlin and uh, uh i'm talking to uh, jesse the body vendor and jesse uh, i need a kidney so I was wondering if I could borrow a million dollars. Yeah, I'm not letting you borrow a million dollars, you short little son of a bitch. And you shouldn't uh, <laughs> laugh at me. But I do need a kidney. Now, uh, on the uh, phew, somebody move that camera over. What the fuck? Uh, on the WCW Wrestling Hot Rod right now, we are collecting funds for my left kidney. That's a 1-900-909-9900. It's 1-900-909-9900. Hey, fuck that man i'm gonna be on the hotline i'm gonna be talking to gordon Sully. we're not gonna try to sell your kidney what what are, you, what are you talking about whoa come on now you know that i've been smoking and drinking my entire life so my left kidney is fucking gone and if i don't get a kidney by this time next year i'll be fucking dead here's the number 1-900-909-9900 kids fuck it Call it. Don't ask nothing. I need your money right now. That's right. It's not the hotline tonight. It's the Gene Okerlund kidney. And if I don't get a kidney, you'll get your kidney, motherfucker. If I don't get a kidney, wait. I said you'll get your kidney if we have to go and knock out Vince McMahon and put him in a tub full of ice and then steal his kidney. You think it would be a match? I'm sure. Both of you have been low-life motherfuckers. Thank you very much. We're going to be going back to the ring. Remember, call. I need my kidney right now. And we got more coming up with Spring Stampede in just a moment. Jesse, I want my goddamn kidney. You'll get your kidney, you little motherfucker. You'll get your kidney. Well, again, if we've got to knock out Vince McMahon, put him in a tub of ice, and steal his fucking kidney, you'll be a match. All right. Well, I know that I did party with Vince many, many times through the years, and I'm sure that what was in my body is in his body as well. Will it be a match? I don't need two. I need one. I said it'll be fine. I'll knock him fucking out. We'll put him in the All right. Oh, I'm going to get a kidney. I'm going to get a fucking kidney. Let's go to the ring. Let me just say I love you, Tony. Okay. Well, he did need a kidney at that time. I mean... <laughs> He did. Well, he got one eventually. He was looking for every day. He would say, "I would say you got a match for your kidney," and he'd say, <laughs> "No." I said, "Well, you could fucking die any time, then, couldn't you?" And he said, "No, I'm going to get a match for my kidney." He did have a a kidney transplant, and he's still fucking alive. While we're talking about it, I guess we should mention Gene Okerlund is still alive, and he's got somebody else's kidney. Still drinking? Yes. I mean, <laughs> good God. It's Good. the best. I mean, I, look, I, Gene Oakland was the best stick man ever. There was nobody even close. By the way, Dick Bourne disagrees with that. He uh, says that uh, Gene Oakland was overrated. Really? 
<laughs> so yeah. let's go ahead and remind you. I guess he thinks Ed Caprell was. Ed Caprell was the greatest stick man ever. Or well, Rich Landrum. According to you, <laughs> yeah. according to you, uh, Ric Flair was the greatest stick man ever. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that thing in action, boys. But that's a story that's for another time. Uh, here is, uh, you know, you were talking about Bobby Eaton. Here's Bobby Eaton's father-in-law. You do know that, don't you? That's right. Mr. Right. Dundee. Right. Strutting that ass to the ring with Lord Stephen Regal. And I got to say, I sort of forgot about this match, but Regal and Pillman, man, this has money all over it, does it not? These well, guys know how to wrestle. They know. I, look, you know what I feel about Steve Regal? Anything he does was great. He was absolutely tremendous. He played the villain perfectly, uh, and he was a great champion. And, of course, Brian Pillman uh, certainly left us too soon. Michael Buffer, by the way, who was normally for the last matches – they used him for all the title matches during this. When Eric finally said, God, if we're paying this motherfucker five grand, we better get more than one match out of him. And that's what we used him in all the title I mean, matches. Good for them. I can't believe that it was only five grand. I thought he was commanding a lot larger price. Well, he was, I think he was commanding a lot larger price, but every time he would say ready to rumble, he would get five grand. Holy shit. Every time he said it, yeah. We got to come up with a phrase. What would your $5,000 phrase be? Okay. Slap dicks, pay attention. That, I, well, that's worth 50 cents. <laughs> it's about what court's paying you, too. So. MLW Fusion on VN Sports. Right. Check it out. Watch, watch a month's worth, and I'll make a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about this match here in particular, because um, this is a match that a lot of people had big expectations for. But according to the rumor and innuendo, mm. they had just signed Pillman that week. And so I, I sort of watched this earlier this week and felt like, Man, what are they doing with Brian Pillman? I mean, this like babyface persona he'd adopted here is not nearly as effective as what he was with the Hollywood Blondes. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, there's no question. But they, and of course, uh, they had a lot to do with with uh, trying to get contracts done and sign guys. But they really, they thought, and rightfully so, that Steve Austin was going to be their next star. And they wanted him to be in singles matches. So Brian Pillman and Austin, according to the Observer, had met with mm-hmm. Titan Sports and actually tested the waters with all Japan. And a lot of people believed, hey, they're pretty much done here. And then they wind up re-signing. It was believed that Austin's contract called for 200 dates minimum. And at the present rate, I guess it's worth mentioning, WCW didn't even have 200 shows, so he'd get the minimum at $1,000 per show. So 200 grand is what, is what uh, Austin was looking to come in for. And that was a slight raise from his old deal, which was $190,000. And uh, allegedly, Pillman's contract was calling for 185 dates. Um, Austin, at this point, is the reigning United States champion. But these guys were on fire as the Hollywood Blondes. And I feel like when they split them up, Pillman was sort of a ship without a sail here as a heel brian pillman was on fire and now here maybe not so much well yeah i always before he became the heel he was a very good baby face and listen you always make more money with singles matches and you do tag team if you got two performers that are great performers you, you need to split them up you get two good matches instead of one match with both of them and i and i thought it was the right move to do i, I really did i marty Gennetti disagrees with everything you just said <laughs> i bet he does yeah <laughs> Um, was Eric Bischoff handling negotiations with contracts for the talent here in early 94 or no? Uh, yes, to my knowledge, he was. One of the other things that I wanted to mention, and I feel like this sort of gets overlooked, um, is 
the rumor and innuendo that Jim Ross and the WWF were parting ways. And allegedly, and I don't have this confirmed, it was just in the Observer, Jim Ross was scheduled to have a meeting with Eric Bischoff about coming back in for an announcer job. And obviously those guys had history from when JR left the first time. Did you hear that JR was trying to come back at a time when Mean Gene was here, Bobby Heenan's here, you're here, um, Jesse Ventura's here? It would have been the most loaded announced team in the history of the business. In more ways than one. <laughs> uh, Sasha Franz. Uh, I never heard that story. You know what? I never heard that story. I thought Jim was very happy with where he was. And I knew that, and you'll see the credits at the end of this show. You know, Bill Shaw, who was in charge of WCW at that time, who was the one that basically ran Jim Jim Ross out of WCW, would have never wanted Ross back. Well, he, somebody who they didn't want back for sure was Too Cold Scorpio. Allegedly, he was fired earlier this week. Uh, apparently, Scorpion said that maybe he uh, failed one too many piss tests for marijuana. Mm, I guess so. Yeah. Is that is that ultimately the reason for his demise? Absolutely, yep. Let me ask this. I mean, let's just be honest. Oh, marijuana. Is that really that big a deal at the time? I mean, Hulk Hogan was one of the original Doobie brothers. Well, I know that, but you know, if, uh, if you got glaucoma, it's not a big deal. Or if you're on top brother, (laughs) I'm telling you that is look baseball has come out with for, for every year has come out with drug testing. Right. And how many, how many of the players, Failed drug tests in baseball. A lot. No. Yeah. A lot. A lot of them are in the minor leagues. None of the top stars do. Maybe right. one or two. Because it's a work. That's right. It's all. Everything in life yeah, is a work. It's all drug testing to fucking work. It's a work. I mean, you will, if, if the top, if the top three stars in baseball fail a drug test, I promise you, they're not going to get suspended. My I'm favorite is when the WWE would I just lost my have job someone my fail a drug test. Okay. And then they'd be like, well, after the pay-per-view, we're sending him home. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, it's like, yeah, it's I mean, like, listen, we want to be legit, but at yeah. the same time, we got a fucking business to run. Right. But I think, and, and I, I think that obviously they're a little, that all athletics a little bit cleaner than they used to be as far as drugs are concerned. No, I really well, do. Believe. If Klondike Bill was around, they wouldn't be cleaner. <laughs> hey, so Meltzer reported the only major backstage commotion during this entire pay-per-view was around your boy, Jesse Ventura. Apparently he showed up at the building completely unaware that he wasn't doing play by play and nobody fucking smartened him up. That's right. So chat me up about this. Yeah. When is the decision made? Why did nobody tell him? According to the legend, Bischoff never really liked Ventura anyway. You're right. Was he just being dismissive of him? Like, fuck him. I got to pay him, but I don't want him on the show. Right. Exactly. And what was Jesse's response to that? Because Jesse has an ego. Yeah. Jesse's response was, according to what Jesse told me, is, fuck it. I'm getting paid. I'm getting paid a lot of money. If he doesn't want me to do but a couple of things, I'll just do my couple of things and and forget about it. Jesse got to the point to where he would just show up to do voiceovers at our studios and then then leave. Is that maybe one of the first instances of ATM, Eric? Yeah, I guess it could have been. I mean, where he's just paying a guy. Right. And he's supposed to be getting more out of him, but he doesn't like him. So fuck him. I'm going to pay him and get less out of him. I'm going to. Exactly. That's that's Vince exactly would never do that. Vince McMahon would say, hey, I'm not getting my money's worth. Get the fuck out. Right. But maybe Jesse's contract was to the point to where he could get the fuck out. Because Kip Fry is the one that brought Jesse in, not Eric. 
maybe the most interesting match of the night we're not even going to see here, but I, I want to get your thoughts on this because I can't believe this is real. Danny Bonaducci and Christopher Knight had a match, a dark match before mm. the show went on the air. Yeah. Ventura opens the show uh, and introduces these guys. And apparently they really basically fucking kill the town. Um, <laughs> as a reminder, Christopher Knight was Peter Brady on the fucking Brady Bunch. Uh-huh. And Danny Bonaducci was a part of uh, the Partridge family Partridge as Danny Partridge. That's right. And he's a local DJ in Chicago. And come on, get happy. There you go. Come on, get happy. Meltzer says the match was uh, so incredibly horrible to the point it was perversely entertaining as bad comedy. And it was basically an expose as they're doing high spots. And Christopher Knight can't stop laughing. Although Bonaducci got a big pop and his appearance sold a lot of tickets locally. So chat me up. What do you remember about this horse shit? I remember I was sleeping in right in the middle of a good dream. And all at once I wake up. That's something that keeps knocking at my brain. It's Danny wrestling here and fucking up our promotion. And pretty soon, you know, David Arquette will be our champ. I think I love you. I think I that's what I remember about it. I fucking love you. Thank you very much. I know the words of that song. Uh, so I know as a word. reminder here, I was a big Partridge Family guy. I could tell. Yeah. The main event here tonight is Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat. Yes, sir. The other bookend of the show, mm-hmm. the Partridge Family <laughs> and the, the Brady, Brady Bunch. Bunch. <laughs> well, that was for the house, right? I mean, I, I can't look. We so badly, and we were getting it by this time, and we really got it once Hulk Hogan came aboard. We so badly wanted the rub by someone else by other by other mainstream media. Whatever mainstream media thank you yes that we were so bad that if dandy Bonaducci and the the guy that played peter brady wanted to come and pull down their pants and fuck each other in the ass we may have videotaped it and put it on the network right before something else to wrestle with I don't think they're doing that. I think they even bleeped the fucks even on that show. <laughs> wow. Uh, so around this time, WCW Magazine folded. It had allegedly yeah. dipped below 3,000 subscriptions, which is basically where the J.J. Dillon podcast is at this point. Uh, so they decided to pull the plug on it, which somebody should do to J.J. Do right. we know for sure that he's still plugged up to the machines? Wow. Jesus. Well, got ahead. I had a guy named Richard Steinberg who was in charge of the WCW Magazine, and he had me write some things and uh we're going to see Richard actually later on in the show uh who uh, worked in merchandising as well and uh, yeah it was uh it was it was bullshit it really was it was a bullshit magazine of course it was yeah. i mean it was kind of like steroid testing it was all bullshit absolutely speaking of bullshit around mm-hmm. this time missy hyatt had filed lawsuit against Ooh. wcw for a sexual harassment suit she also alleged gender pay bias and other related subjects. This is directly from the observer. Hyatt discovered that a picture of her breast popping out of her dress at Starcade had been blown up and hung in the photo room in WCW headquarters. <laughs> She's suing for several million dollars later, by the way, she'd show them titties for 1999 at wrestling uh, The lawsuit gained mainstream attention and both Howard Stern and Rush Limbaugh spoke about it on their highly popular radio shows. What do you remember about Missy's lawsuit and specifically, blowing up them booby meats no listen if the boo if the boobies have been blown up and put somewhere in the office you i don't know about i'd have known about them i'd have seen them so i didn't know about those at all uh but you know it all sounds to me with the exception of maybe 
I, I can't speak for anybody in, in sexual harassment towards Missy because I wasn't there. But the other sounds to me like, you know, she just wants to get some money out of the company, which known by Turner Broadcasting, gender bias, things like that. Oh, sure. You know, Listen, I mean, there were lots of people who sued and did money grams. Right. You know, one of our, one of our great friends of the show, I'll tell you off air, I think I mentioned this before, he sued uh-huh. and they didn't even try to refute it they just settled right away yeah they, like they 70 just, grand yeah they, they would settle just like that i think the rap from bischoff is something like if they asked for less than 100 we just paid it right which makes you think in hindsight you should have fucking sued right <laughs> yeah, a, maybe i should right now well i don't During know broadcast you still, they used okay to. but it's worth a shot yeah you could say they discriminated against you that maybe someone saw the button ridiculed <laughs> it or maybe i should sue tenor broadcasting for putting on shitty tv shows like they're doing right now who in the world watches TNT or, or TBS? I don't know anybody. I don't does. know anybody who watches them. Not at all. I mean, Fox Sports, uh, FX. BN Sports. BN Sports, FX, A&E. Everybody's fucking past them. Hypothetically, you mm-hmm. know, since you're shitting all over them, let's just. Okay. If they hired you. I, they would, I, would never, I would never go to work for them, ever. They're going to pay a million dollar guarantee. Uh, no. Mm-mm. Well, I'm starting Tuesday. I'm just letting <laughs> you know. Like. You know, it's a little you've, disappointing. I feel like you're you're ruining kayfabe here because your your son Chris Shivani called you a wrestling whore on the Shivani wedding special. He doesn't know fuck shit. He of course not. Look who his dad is, right? <laughs> hey, so speaking of fuck shit, mm-hmm. have you got my fucking six man belt yet out of the goddamn attic? No, but uh, <clears throat> uh, my oldest son Matt. This coming weekend supposed to come home, and he said something to Chris. He said, "Let this is a true story." He said, "Let's go in the attic and find Conrad's belt." Can you put it on Facebook Live? If we find it? No, no. Just the search. It would almost be better if you didn't find it. It would be like Capone and Geraldo. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That would we be good. tease it. Yes. Oh, that would be phenomenal. Yeah. So coming soon to Facebook Live at <laughs> Facebook.com forward slash WHW Monday. It's not Al Capone's vault. It's Tony Schiavone's attic. That's right. And we find the six-man tag team belt. Maybe. And, and suits that haven't fit in 30 years. <laughs> yeah, haven't fit in 10 years. I've gained a lot of weight since I met you. Whoa, look at that. I have that effect on people. <laughs> I mean, you know, you start making money and you get a little relaxed. That's what happens. You can eat better. So, hey, I, we should mention here, we're talking over a pretty good match here. Yeah. They're going to go to a fucking draw. Right. Spoiler. I hate to give you a 14-year later spoiler. Uh, Meltzer would write, I'd say it's a safe bet. The original finish was going to be Regal going over, but was changed since Pillman had signed a two-year contract for good money. And it would be a poor investment to beat him in the second match. He gives this match two and three quarter stars. Interesting what do you think about it. Interesting. He said it was a safe bet that Regal was going to go go over until they signed Pillman. I I don't know why would that have anything to do with the well finish because of this if match? Pillman's leaving if his contract's up then you don't put over a guy who's leaving right? Yeah, I guess not. Uh, in the uh, first match, of course, uh, we should mention, we didn't give a, a rating here, but Meltzer wrote Johnny B. Bad and Diamond Dallas Page in about six minutes was a good opener, two and a quarter stars. So, you know, at a five and six minute match, makes sense to me that it would be a good match. Yeah. But I, I feel like we still needed more Kimberly close ups there. Yeah, we did. Also, I, I want to say something about this entire show. Uh, the fans are really into this stuff. They no, were they, they, really they were this they is were a hot crowd man yeah it is a hot crowd they were buying our they were buying our stuff so it was really good we I mean we're we're now in the WWE's building uh, you know we're we're getting ready to have Hogan join us we got Gene Okerlund we got Jesse Ventura we got all the guys uh, Bobby Heenan really all the guys who were the voices 
of, you know, what made uh, Vince a, a big star back then or made his company big. And now it's Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson. Making well, his company. Big watch out, both of them. Go on the floor. Should we call this one for real from this point? You got into it. It got me a little excited. No, no. I only, only call matches when Court Bauer's money's available. And so let's talk about this. Oh, uh, boy. Dundee. You got any good Dundee stories? I just saw him take a tumble on the outside. Uh, Bill was kind of a Bill was a kind of a little worker. You know, I mean, he would he would try to tell you and say and sell you something. And he would talk so fast. You had no idea what the fuck he was talking about. So you would kind of agree with him. And then you, you would say, what the fuck did he just say? And, the, you know, his uh, his daughter are are. She needed glasses and married Bob Eaton. Right. Are they, is Donna still married to Bob Eaton? I don't even know if, I, I don't know. I shouldn't comment. Yeah. I don't know. Cause she was, uh, she was kind of a, a character in herself. So uh, we've talked about this before, right? but, but I, I'm going to be careful with what we say here. Yeah. Okay. Some of the boys have alleged over the years that Dundee maybe had an interesting situation going on did you i mean there are a lot of rumors around him okay i don't know but uh here's me uh, gene yeah uh, colonel parker i'm gonna check would you happen to have in that briefcase of yours uh a kidney for me uh, uh no i ain't got a kidney for you but i got, got one gigantic dicky little sawed off bald man that's right well mm. I would ask that guy for a kidney, but he stinks man don't you worry about how he smells and don't you worry about what i got in my briefcase what did you fucking fart? What the fuck? Did, uh, I'm talking here. Okay. So you're looking for a kidney and I have in my briefcase here money that could probably buy you a kidney, but I ain't going to use it for that because I'm going to use it because I've got stunning Steve Austin, a guy who's going to be one of the biggest stars in wrestling. Once he gets away from this shitty promotion and goes to the WWE and I'm going to make sure that as you can see, this uh, big briefcase is hiding my joint. That's right. My Johnson is right. Don't look at that down. It's right on the other side of this briefcase. And to my right is really one of the fine workers in our business. And that is Bunkhouse Buck. Buck, before we get into the match, do you have a kidney for me? Does it look like I got a kidney, you stupid son of a bitch? I don't even have underwear on under these jeans. Nope. And I'm going to chafe. And my ball sack's going to stick to the side of my legs when I wrestle Dustin Rhodes. Because I forgot my underwear. So stop asking me about your goddamn kidney and Dustin Rhodes. You go, motherfucker. Fuck you. I'll take, I'll take your kidney out right now. All right. That's it. Let's go back to the ring. Let me just say that I love you. And I'm glad that Colonel Robert Parker and Tony Schiavone both working for MLW at BN Sports. Yeah. Yeah. We MLW. <laughs> it's the nursing home. Of pro wrestling. <laughs> so up next, okay. let me just tell you, and I'm going to find this this week. Are you ready for the, the most revealing, embarrassing thing I can possibly share with you today? Yes, I am. As a Ute, <laughs> I believe it was probably 1990. Yeah. My best friend, who was a, name, who was a guy by the name of Eric Tillerson, and uh, his nickname was Fish. Is Eric still alive? He is. He's my age. He lives in Prattville, Alabama. Okay. He and I went trick-or-treating as the fucking Nasty Boys. <laughs> and I have got a picture of he and I. Oh, I've got to see it. Somewhere oh. at my mom's house. And oh. I'm going to have her pull it up uh, when she, when uh, all of her friends, you know, because they're all old people, right? And so they all yeah. like Facebook each other and shit like that. Right. They want to show well, pictures. Well, they were all bragging to my mom that, oh my God, I see your boy signed the deal with WWE. And mm -hmm. it's like... 
you know, what the fuck? You haven't even talked to this person in 30 years. But they remembered that I was a wrestling fan as a kid. Right. So when that news got out, a lot of people started stirring it up here in Alabama on AL.com and shit like that. Well, this week I will post me as a nine-year-old nasty boy on our Facebook. Facebook On our Facebook page? Yeah. Okay. WHW Monday. Well, good. I I thought maybe the WWE would have to take that picture off (laughs) since he's now... He's now All right, of- I'm really excited about this match. Yeah, we got Cactus Jack and Max Payne. Yeah. Stop what you're doing if you're not watching this with us and yeah. go turn this shit on. You right. need to watch this. It's one of my favorite matches from this era. It is the most violent shit you've ever seen. Uh, I've put these guys over a lot. The Nasty Boys are the most underrated tag team, perhaps in history. I feel like people sort of lump them in with like the fucking Godwins, and they were not that. They were brawlers. When you let them be, they were ass kickers, man. Yes, they were. And they were also working with a couple of guys, Cactus Jack for sure, that wanted you to fucking lay it in. I mean, he, when, when you were working the Cactus Jack, he would say, don't pull a punch, really fucking hit me. And that's what they would do. And the Nasty Boys were like that as well. They were, they were also very, very dangerous. Heenan... And I know this for a fact. Heenan hated calling a nasty boys match when we were at ringside because he thought that Brian Nobbs was the most out of control guy ever and that he, Brian Nobbs would eventually hurt Bobby Heenan. And Heenan was scared to death of that. It's worth mentioning that Cactus Jack is working here less than a month after having his fucking ear ripped off. Yes, it was against an, Vader in Japan right, or in Germany. Right. And uh, and he still got it taped and we bring that up about having his ear. His ear got ripped off up against a turnbuckle. Turnbuckle pad. Well, it was when he did the the hangman deal between the ropes, right? Right. The ropes had it squeezed. Right, exactly. That's what it, it was. pinched it right. off. The ropes were just a little too tight that night, tighter yeah. than normal. Right. And let me just tell you, man, there's lots of things that, that I enjoy about wrestling, but I think what most of us fans enjoy is when we watch something, and we sort of all know it's a wink and a nod, but when we see something, we're like, okay, that was scripted, but this, it's fucking this real. was fucking real. Like this chair shot we're going to see. Watch this. Everything about this match <laughs> is fucking legitimate. Yes. They are beating the shit out of yeah, each other. Exactly. And and the good news is for us and and I had to I had to be concerned about this too. I hadn't had my neck surgery as of yet. My neck surgery would come up actually in a year. Heenan had just had neck surgery. So here we were both a bunch of slugs with bad necks and we had these fucking four behemoths, you know, doing a hardcore match all around us and and we were fucking petrified. We really were. The good news is they kept it over there. Heenan had talked to Bischoff before this match and had said something to Doug Dellinger about it, too. He said, listen, he said, I just had neck surgery. Shivani's got a bad neck and I was going to go see a doctor. We were talking about me getting neck surgery, which eventually I had. And he told Doug Dellinger, he said, make sure that those stupid motherfuckers are on the other side of the ring. Now, I don't want to make this all about me, but these are some of the things I remember during this match. Let me just tell you, these guys are, they're in a Chicago street fight mm-hmm. and they're absolutely brutal to one another. They're right. really laying it in yeah. and, and credit to Cactus Jack, because as we said, he, he lost a fucking ear. I can't overstate that on March 16th. And here we are less than a month later, he's not missing a match and he's getting his ass beat. Right. I think we ought to do a little tip of the cap to Max Payne here as well. Of all four guys in there, he is probably the least star moving forward. I know he, he, he wrestled a little bit, but uh, he did a pretty good job in this match as well. No, he held his own for sure. Yeah. Uh, he looks like uh, Matt Coon, so we'd probably hate him too. Right? Bit, yeah, Matt Coon's about three times fatter than that. 
Uh, and half as talented. <laughs> can you imagine if that was your calling card? You're half as talented can as you Max imagine, Payne. Can you imagine driving up to somewhere in Mechanicsville, Virginia, and saying, I want the, this guy to teach my kid how to Can you imagine leaving your children with Matt Coon? No, I can't. Hey, uh, this will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's going to fucking eat them. <laughs> That's right. So this is get off the favorite, couch. Fucking lazy. My favorite little segments here. There's Richard Steinberg. Seeing the right, he was the guy who was the head of WCW magazine. With that, the foam fingers? Yeah, with the foam fingers. Like a fucking goof? Yeah, yeah. No, he didn't know what to do. But uh, this was obviously a, a gimmick place that we put up. And, uh, and so Steinberg just standing there with the foam finger saying, buy this foam finger. Buy this fucking foam finger. Oh, but I'm going to stand there. And usually if, if a guy was, if a guy who they all knew was standing around, you know. They're going to fuck with him. They're going to fuck with him. But he got lucky. They didn't, they didn't really fuck with him. The merchandise stand, of course. Uh, there are no fans there buying the merchandise, not because it's gimmicks, but because nobody wants the shitty nobody merchandise. Nobody wants the shitty merchandise, absolutely. Uh, and now, uh, Cactus Jack and, and Brian Nobbs laying it in, or uh, Jerry Sags laying it in. Whoa! <laughs> wow. Uh, they were, they were, uh, the Nasty Boys were also known, even in matches that weren't hardcore matches were known as guys who would give their opponents taters. Dude, let's talk about, and we've talked about it here before, their Halloween Havoc match with the Steiners, uh-huh. one of my all-time favorite yes, matches. Yes, it was. We, we did that earlier, uh, and it was like, there's, there's Steinberg saying, no, don't do it, don't do it. Uh, and uh, just some great shit. So Max Payne's going to get a shirt, and uh, going to get a Nasty Boy shirt. <laughs> Seriously, who was buying a Nasty Boy? Well, maybe me. Uh, <laughs> well, who was dressing up like a Nasty Boy? So let's just take this and stuff it down his fucking throat. That's what I like, man. You know, here's the thing. You're going to give me shit for being nine and dressing like a Nasty Boy. You were 40 and dressed like the goddamn Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> I would never give you shit for being nine. Okay. I'm, I was. I was nine and I was booking <laughs> the territory, right? <laughs> That's right. You probably could have. You probably would have, but you probably would have given more attention to it than Ric Flair did. <laughs> Woo, Papa Riddling, come back in here. What the fuck? Oh, by the way, okay. um, you, you can't call him Papa. We're going with Pop Pop. That's Pop, the Pop? official name, Pop wow. Pop. Okay. By the way, uh, I saw over the weekend, Pop Pop did a personal appearance, and at that appearance, Sting uh-huh. was there, uh-huh. Eric Bischoff was there, uh-huh. Mick Foley was there, Yeah. the Nasty Boys were there. Wow. Where were you this weekend? I was doing a baseball game i got baseball i'm sorry i can't i got baseball it's gonna be a shirt soon at loisrules.com and you know we've got lots of fun shirts at loisrules.com and you actually shared earlier this week that you've got a new bumper sticker on the old uh, yeah. shivani mobile on the old shivani mobile my my daughter and her uh, her new husband uh they're they're pretty good at making these stickers and they got a window sticker for me that has hashtag nfltg on the back of my card. And that's a shirt at LoisRules.com, by the way. In honor of last week's ECW episode, yeah. one of the most famous ECW shirts of all time was a shirt that said ECF and W. Well, now we have a WHF and W shirt wrapped in barbed wire. You got to see that. But the number one new seller, and I think you would agree with this, is Sassafras. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. How, how many uh, Sassafras shirts have we sold? Uh, we've sold uh, about 25. How about that? That's about 25 cents. Sassafras. So get yours, and you can be a part of uh, LoisRules.com. Let me also say. Stop what you're doing and turn on the fucking WWE Network. You have to go watch this right now. This match is out of control, and right now we've got Cactus Jack and Jerry Sags on the ramp. Describe what you're seeing here, Tony. Okay, we got. uh, Do I have to? 
I'm kind of I'm kind of stunned. I've never I've never heard you promote the W. I've never heard you promote the WWE Network like you're doing right now. Well, because this shit right here, he just suplexed no. the fucking table on him. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm now that you're get, on the fucking network, that's all we're fucking talking about. I'm trying to get you a fucking gig. Oh, okay. Hell yeah, nice man. To- tune to the network <laughs> right now. Man, it's some good shit. He go hit him with a fucking shovel. Watch this. Dude, this is sick. Now watch. They go hit him with a shovel, but watch these two stupid motherfuckers. That's all I can say. I love it. Watch these two stupid motherfuckers stand on a gimmick fucking table. They're going to stand on a gimmick table. You think it's going to last? Watch this. 700 pounds. Yeah, on a gimmick table. It ain't going to last. You stupid son of a bitches. Somebody already sold that table in half, and you stand on it. Brian Knobs hit Cactus Jack hard as fuck in the head with a shovel. Oh, Jesus Both Christ. Both sags and cactus collapse the table. Watch this bump, Tony Schiavone. Yeah. Pay attention. Okay, Don't I'm miss here. this. Okay. Oh. Uh, what the uh, fuck just happened? Jerry Sags uh, just murdered Cactus Jack. He pushed him off the ramp directly on the concrete. Jesus. I can't believe this guy's alive. Well, he, <laughs> so they threw the shovel at him. Absolutely. To boot. Yeah. No regard for humanity. And you can see this for only $9.95 a month on the WWE Network. See, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Look, that's the Why'd you hit him? Fuck it. <laughs> in the face. In the face. Hit him in the face with a fucking shovel. Yeah, they pinned him all right. It was you know, a fucking mob hit. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah. the end of Sopranos. <laughs> this isn't a fucking wrestling match. And Max Payne says, I thought I'm supposed to get to Here's one. stupid ass Matt Coon covering children. <laughs> Show's over, dick. Go home. Wait, not anymore. Wait, I'll be nailed with the fucking table. You got to see it. Uh, 999, WWE I'm, Network. I'm, yeah, I'm telling you, when I saw Cat, yeah, he's fucking out. What the, I would say he's fucking seeing stars, but that fucker was always seeing stars. And that's why when I saw Cactus uh, two years ago in Orlando at WrestleMania and he could barely walk, I know why now. What he's got a hip replaced since then. Really, he's moving around, moving a, around a lot better. Oh, that that concrete elbow for so many years took its toll. Clearly. But, uh, I mean, look at Cactus Jack here. At this point, he's been hitting the head with the shovel. He's been hitting the fucking face with the shovel. He went yeah. through a table. He went off the ramp, flat-backed onto the concrete. One of the most violent matches in the history of wrestling, and uh, we just covered it. Yeah. I like to say uh, hello to my good friend Triple H as well, and I'm really enjoying the WWE work at <laughs> Network at nine ninety nine a month. You know, it's funny that... Oh, here we go. All right. Here we go. All right, Johnny B. Bad, I have been now. I didn't know why I was brought here, but I'm now in charge of finding a new kidney for Gene Okerlund. Now, I know that you probably have a kidney that's all full of steroids, but are you willing to di- to donate your left kidney? Let me tell you something. I'm really going to fuck something again tonight. Let me tell you that. No, wait, no. I will give Gene Oakland my kidney as long as he comes out with me showing his abs like I'm showing my abs right now. I'll give Gene Oakland a kidney. I know he's been smoking all his life. I know he's been drinking all his life. He's probably done some other shit. Let me say this, though. Did you know that I just won a million dollars? One million dollars from Vince McMahon. I told Tony Schiavone he could probably win it, too. But Schiavone said, what? What did Shivani say? Shivani said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and be the stupid son of a bitch. And by the time that 2010 goes around, I'm going to be broke. That's right, you dumb son of a bitch. Let's go to the ring. <laughs> he did. Know. He did, by the way. He did come to me. Jesse says, uh, Jesse said, do you, he said, there's a precedent now for that. Do you want to sue Vince too? 
but but you're not broke anymore because now you're going to be on the WWE Network. I mean, we're working on it. Yeah, well, I'm still married to Lois. Uncle Paul. Money in, money out. Money in, a lot of money out. So um, I guess it's worth mentioning here. By the way, how's Eric doing? You talked to Eric Bischoff lately? I did. Is he doing okay? He's doing great. Good. Yeah, I talked to him this week. I need, I need to call him on the phone. Yeah, we could call him now. I haven't talked to Eric. I really haven't talked to Eric since we, we parted. Really? I have not talked to him since we parted. Well, we got to work on that. Yeah, we emailed each other, but I mean, you're, you're kind of Eskimo Brothers now because you're both going to be doing fucking shows with me. <laughs> yeah, Eskimo Brothers, right. We both got our nose up Conrad's ass when it gets cold. Rub nose up his ass. So the great Muda is here, and to my surprise, this is the only show he works for y'all. I don't mean ever. I just mean here. Like, he didn't come over and do a bunch of shots. He came in for this. Right. Right. Well, that's that's part. I, it's part of the the deal that we had with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling at that time. And here he comes, man, Colonel Robert Park. You know, as I, I'm watching this and w- watch this as well, this is the way he's coming out talking like this. This is almost the the infancy of Stone Cold Steve Austin. It feels like he's doing like a heel Hulk Hogan coming right. out talking to the crowd. Right. Uh, By the way, Cassio Kid remarked earlier today because you know Cassio's a balding fuck. Now, he's denying it, but he's got like a nine head. You know, I've got a four head. You've got a three head because you're a mongoloid. And Cassio's got like a nine head. And so when no one was around and the promo ran for this show, he said, God damn, I put a little gel in the hair. I could be stunning Steve Austin circa 94. Yes, you sure could. Don't have the abs for it. (laughs) (laughs) But you sure could. So uh, one of my favorite stories from the weekend is – uh, belt maker friend of mine, Mr. Dave Milliken, who yeah. used to make all the belts for WWE and WCW, and I mean, he's made it for everybody. Um, he's over at the house, and I'm watching Spring Stampede, and he just happens to be here because I'm trying to like bone up on my research and whatnot and see what we can talk about here. And he he starts laughing when Austin comes out with Colonel Robert Parker. Because he says that years ago, when he was making belts for Steve, casually it comes up in conversation that Dave used to be pretty tight with a lot of the guys in Memphis. And he says, hey, man, did you ever spend much time around the Fullers? And he said, what do you mean? And he said, well, like Robert Fuller. He said, well, what's your read on Robert Fuller? And Dave said, well, I mean, I don't know. I never really met him just once or twice in passing, but no real meeting. And he said something like, I always wondered about that cat. And I found that funny. It's like, well, he was your fucking manager. So, you know, isn't that interesting? That is interesting. I, CTE is real. Well, you know, here's what I know about. Robert Fuller was told me stories uh, when we would do a little bit of traveling together. Colonel Parker would tell me stories about the old days of the business. We're talking about, you know, probably 40s, 50s of the business. Really? That they would, uh, that they would take over territories by gunpoint. Back then, there would be a lot of promoters. So it was like uh, East Coast, West Coast rap. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess so. They would come in to say, you, guess what? You're not going to run this building anymore or you're not running this territory. They say, why not? They say, we're taking it over. And they would come in with their uh, their hit men with guns and run them out. So you, what you're saying is I'm Colonel not, Robert Parker was basically the Suge Knight of wrestling. <laughs> it could have been. I'm not, I'm, I just think that members of his family way back then I'm not going to blame him for that. Who was your um, Who was your favorite of the two? Were you more of a Tupac or a Biggie guy? Uh, I kind of I kind of like Tupac. What's your favorite Tupac song? Uh, Shake that thing, motherfucker, ho bitch. Don't forget to download <laughs> Shake That Thing, motherfucker, ho bitch on iTunes. 
this is not a wrestling podcast anymore, but it's fucking awesome. Shake it, thing, motherfucker. Oh, bitch. All right. There we go. It's on iTunes. Look it up. Trust me. So I feel like I should mention that Dave Meltzer was in love with that match before like we were. Well, he's we're, a whole bitch, too. Yeah. <laughs> the match only went nine minutes, but he called it one of the wildest, sickest, most brutal matches you'll ever see. One of the most brutal matches of all time. Four and a half stars. Uh, unbelievable, man. The shovel shot, the concrete bump over the top. But here's what the reason I'm talking about it again. The following month, Slamboree 94, Kevin Sullivan takes Max Payne's place in the match and they beat the Nasties for the titles. Why was a change made here? Do you recall? Max Payne was no longer with the company. Well, I guess that's what I'm asking is what led to his demise? Of course, a lot of wrestling fans know that uh, Max Payne filmed a lot of the boys doing things they shouldn't have been doing in the mm-hmm. WWE, drugs and whatnot, mm-hmm. and teased that he was going to release it. Of course, he never did, but he himself found himself released. Why did Max Payne find his demise here in WCW? Uh, dispute over money. Really? Yep. He thought that now we're in the Eric Bischoff era of you know money starting to bump up a little bit, that he should get more. Because he also could play the guitar, unlike Matt Coon, and could also he also played the national anthem, and he, and I and he thought he was getting a, a he thought look I, we talked about this earlier that all these great stars in here we've got the Matt Coon looking like Max Payne, and he didn't think he was getting a good enough push, and doing crazy shit like this, and I would have to agree with him. I liked I liked his gimmick. I did. It's just amazing to me that he thinks he should be doing more when you've got. Regal, Pillman, Muda, Austin, Flair, Rude, Sting, Steamboat. I mean, you got so much cactus. You got I, so much talent. I can't argue about and that. And Matt Coon wants a push. <laughs> I can't like, argue that. Go do your Survivor podcast with uh, fucking Johnny Fairplay and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Does he do that, that podcast? Uh, nobody knows. No, that's right. It's, oh, it's missing in action. Yeah. Okay. Hey, by the way, have you heard about his new podcast called Why It Ended? <laughs> No. It's really one of the best concepts around. Seriously. What he does is he takes uh, time to find like an old wrestling star who was only hot for a minute, like Uh a glacier. Right. And he interviews them about why it ended. He talks about their sort of rags to riches story. Yeah. And when they were on top, some of their sillinesses of their excesses and then how it all came tumbling down. And then he tries to, when applicable, uh, make everybody feel good about where they are today. That's good. It, it is good, but it's uh, it's really, I don't know, it's like TMZ for podcasting, but it's right. tremendous. Sounds good. How much money are the guys getting from that? Zero dollars. There you go. Well, they're getting the same amount Matt Coon is. Right. Yeah. There you go. You got to just stick to teaching kids how to play guitars. Well, here's the thing with that, though. I've never seen him play an instrument. Well, I mean, I've seen him play a skin flute, but I've never seen him play... A traditional instrument. I'll do you one better. I've never seen him get off the fucking couch. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I didn't know the man had two feet. At Matt Coon Music, if you'd like the worst follow on Twitter. Jesus. But, you know, he's tagging WWE Network. Yeah, he, saying, can, he can tag this is what why, he can do. Why don't we get uh, why it ended on the WWE Network? And I'm like, hold your horses, buddy. Hold your horses, buddy. Uh, and especially when he's like... Can you believe that WWE is doing the greatest Royal Rumble in a racist, sexist country like Saudi Arabia? Yeah. I was like, those te- those tweets aren't allowed to touch, dude. You can't be a sellout. 
yeah. mean, and you know, do that. You got to be what I'm doing, and right. that's to yell, subscribe to the WWE Network <laughs> for only nine ninety nine. Oh God. Meanwhile, uh, one of the great uh, performers of all time just snatching a headlock. Well, listen, in fairness, and I know what we're thinking here, because this match sort of got shit on a little bit, but if you just followed that brutal fucking straight fight, how can you follow that? Yeah, I agree. You've got to bring them down a little bit, do some mat work. Right. Because you can't compete with that. You're no. not hitting Great Moodle with a fucking shovel in the face. I know. Yeah. You're not th- Steve Austin's not taking a flat back on concrete. Get right. out of here. I was thinking this when I watched the same thing. Uh, when I watched it before we started doing this, I'm thinking, and of course, I didn't remember exactly the order of matches until I watched it again. I'm thinking, who's going to follow this shit? And there you go. Yeah. To me, this would have been a good spot to yeah. to trot Medusa out. Well, there's always a good spot to trot Medusa out. I'm being serious. Like, Medusa I'm being serious too. would have <laughs> been a different level of interest. Yeah, it always was for me. Absolutely. Okay. Um What's Moodle doing right now? <laughs> if you had to describe what you're seeing right now. Yeah. Can I ask a question? I wish you would. Does, is Matt Coon doing Medusa's podcast? Uh, no. Um, Does she fire his ass too? No. Uh, we're okay. going to we're gonna break some kayfabe here, I guess. I, we have not talked about this, but, you know, the okay. tape machines are rolling. Okay. So, well, are we allowed? Okay. Let's, uh, this is, this, this is the most interesting part of our podcast so, so far. So Matt Coon Real live shit Matt Coon Breaking news on WHW Monday And what have we seen recently on TV I can't believe it But tonight During the Impact pay-per-view Did you know they're still doing pay-per-views? No Well they are And I don't know how many people watched it But at least one person did And they posted a screen grab that said Ham Cube fears Conrad For crying out loud You made an impact He actually won the tag title in 2018 And did a top rope Frankensteiner Your thoughts Tony? He needs to stop doing that because he's getting fucking old now. He fears Conrad. That's good. I guess I'm, we're not welcome at the Shoney's in Ackworth, right? Somewhere in the comments tonight, as this sort of broke on Twitter, someone said they were recently at that establishment. And when they asked a member of the wait staff about the ham cubes on the salad bar, she said, we're not allowed to talk about them. God, you know what that means. Man, he knows where I live, I think. And I live closer to him than I. I'm in some trouble here. I know he's not as big as he used to be. He may come after my ass. Only because of a joke that you fucking made. Well, but you allowed it. So I blame you. You know, you're the adult in this situation. When we were in New Orleans for WrestleMania, I know you can go because you have baseball. But um, somebody came to one of mine and Bruce's sold out shows, hashtag humblebrag. And they said, hey, I was at WrestleCon and I met Ham Cubes. And I asked him to sign my picture Ham Cubes. And he looked up and said... Fuck Tony and that other guy. That other guy. <laughs> he doesn't even know your name. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even. He didn't even say my name. He just said Tony and that other guy. So I hope this. I hope this isn't really why it ended. Next, next thing I know, the Cherokee County School Board's gonna be coming knocking at my door, and I have grandkids that go to Cherokee County schools. If you have grandkids, you should really use better judgment than to do a show like this with me, don't you think? Yes, I guess I should rethink my life. So this is being added in post because you and I just went to see Andrew Dice Clay in 2018. Your thoughts? Little Miss Mum said on the top. Can you believe that works in 2018? It's phenomenal. And people were with him. It was the most vile, most disgusting uh, stand-up comedy I've ever seen, and I loved every minute of it. It feels a lot like something you and I could do. Like, he is the stand-up version of our podcast. I think it's very good. He could do a run in our podcast, and we'd pay him about 200 bucks. 
<laughs> Maybe we should rename the podcast. What happened when Little Miss Muffet sat on her tuffet, right? Exactly. What was your favorite um, dicism that we didn't hear tonight? Uh, little Boy Blue. He needed the money. Well, we don't want to uh, keep you distracted too long here, but we did want to at least mention the uh, the love that we got on pay-per-view. I feel pretty impressed, if I'm honest with you, because you had a sign at WrestleMania, and I had a sign at an Impact pay-per-view. Conrad Thompson's impact during pro wrestling is being felt worldwide. No, I was sort of doing a dig at myself, but you got WrestleMania, <laughs> and I got fucking Impact, yeah. but... It's weak, Conrad. We're teammates. Oh, I like it. And don't forget, LoisRules.com is where you can pick up a shirt. By the way, we're having a lot of fun with a lot of these guys. J.J. Dillon's podcast, if you love the old school Mid-Atlantic stuff, it's second to none. You yeah. can't beat it. Yeah. I mean, if you love the old school Mid-Atlantic stuff, and if you love to hear an old fuck talk. And Dutch Mantel, sort of the same deal. Yeah. Dutch yeah. Mantel is one of the more... Inter- Dutch Mantel's entertaining reading a phone book. Yes, he is. Uh, Dutch was a color guy for me on... Uh, on worldwide for a little while phenomenal yeah i mean it's a shame that he's with matt coon yeah but he's good one of dutch mantel's greatest lines on worldwide was ricky morton uh this was when ricky and robert cut a record they actually and the crockets were selling it they had a record ricky morton singing a, a they song. sold dozens i'm sure <laughs> he said he, and dutch mantel said on our show he said i like to announce that ricky that ricky morton's uh new hit single has now gone plywood he said, not gold, not platinum, but plywood. <laughs> I thought that was That's the greatest line. fucking line in the world. By the way, we're talking over one of the one of the best like loaded matches of all time as far as the great Muda, once in a lifetime talent. Right. Steve Austin, once in a lifetime talent. Mm-hmm. Kenny Powers calling it right down the middle. Yeah, without and the a, mustache. And, yeah. and Jumper Up Academy himself yeah. on right. the outside. Exactly. In fairness, how silly is is Stone Cold Steve Austin being managed by Colonel Robert Parker. Yeah. Looking One back of the on greatest right talkers now. of all time. Exactly. I mean, charisma out the ass. Right. And somebody, the geniuses at WCW <laughs> is like, well, yeah. I mean, what are we going to do with him? Let's give him Robert Parker. Yeah, it's probably Ric Flair had a probably hand in that, don't you think? Well, we're not going to disparage Pop Pop. Okay. We're going <laughs> to yeah. shit on Matt Coon. We're going to roll tape on Matt. I heard Pop Pop was on the Tonight Show recently. He was. And I'll tell you about it after I pee. Okay. I've been drinking. Okay, so water. All right. So there he goes. Conrad Thompson is going to take a piss, and Cassie is joining. Hey, Cassie. How's it going, Tony? Good. You're not getting paid for this, but no, talk with me. I'm getting paid as much as you are, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. So growing up a kid, uh, where'd you grow up? Alabama. Yeah, of course you did. Uh, growing up a kid in Alabama, uh, what did you think of the great Muda? Uh, I didn't know who he was. Yeah, that's what I figured. Fuck. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Uh, so I might as well just resort to calling the action. <laughs> no. Can I ask you something? Every time I come to the Conradison, you're here. Yeah. Do you even know who Conrad Thompson is? <laughs> no, but he's got a killer basement that I've, I've, I've just moved into, basically. Okay, basically squatting. I'm actually squatting. Actually, that's what he's doing right now. <laughs> okay. Into the ropes. There's a dropkick. He missed a dropkick. Oh, I always wondered, Cassio, that when they missed dropkicks, why did it hurt more than when they connected a dropkick? Because they still fall on the mat, right? Hey, that's a good point. Yeah, I always thought that that, that was a kind of a shitty thing. Here's our cover, and we got a two count that time. Going to try to cover him again. But you know, Cassio, technically, you need to hook the far leg, and there he did it right there. Does he have Spider-Man wristbands? Those look like Spider-Man wristbands. No, that, 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 is, that in Japanese means 
what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> I'm not getting much of a paid. Cassio, if he'd like to hook up, I got a mic over here. <laughs> we, he just, yeah, I asked him, uh, did he knew m- what he thought about Muda growing up? He said he didn't know him. Well, Cassio was a WWF guy. Cassio was a little really? Hulkamaniac, a little he, Ultimate Warrior, a little Andre the Giant. Really? A little Mean Gene. And he's also an Auburn guy, right? Correct. Yeah, okay. We, we don't get along on much. Well, I understand that. <laughs> you know, when they interview a coach at Auburn, they ask, have you ever cheated? And if he says no, he said, you want to learn how? Okay. I just thought they'd throw that out. That's that's pretty. Well, don't you think that's pretty well known in the SEC? I mean, if they were cheating, they'd win more. You know what I mean? So, okay. Yeah. So let's talk about this. Um, I can't believe this is real. This is exactly what Dave Meltzer put in the Observer. You ready to get fired up here? Oh, boy. Steve Austin retained the U.S. title with a disqualification win over Great Muta. Parentheses. KG, I go to America, take steroids, get big. Mm. Muto. In 16 minutes and 29 seconds. These two had no chance after the previous match to take the crowd down, so they mainly did mat work for the first 10 minutes with Muda doing a few hot spots in between. Solid match, but probably didn't meet expectations going in. Two and three-quarter stars. I don't know. I mean, I know that Dave Meltzer is is sort of tongue-in-cheek with a lot of this, and I appreciate that. But at the same time, the assessment that everybody was taking steroids and calling guys out in the newsletter like this do you have a take on that? Yeah, I, you know, DM Dave Meltzer is like BM. They're both full of shit. Okay, that's a, and he should never, he should never say anything like this. I mean, can I just tell you that I did something that I almost never do this week? Yes, go ahead. I DM Dave Meltzer. Did you really? I did. Okay. And here's why: I feel like Dave Meltzer is a big part of my life right now. Like we don't really talk. I mean, mm-hmm. occasionally we'll like tweet each other or whatever, yeah. but we don't ever talk. And I talk about his show every Monday with you, and I yeah. talk about his uh, talk about him every Friday uh-huh. with Bruce. And we just we're, I'm not I don't have anybody who's that a part of my life that I just don't speak to at all. So I DM'd him and said, "Hey, not to be weird, but uh, we should we should call every now and again. We should talk." So he knows that you know we're trying to put on a show. Fuck him. Yeah. Don't thought, DM him again. I thought you might say that. Can we call him right now? <laughs> you got his number? Of course I do. Okay. Call him. <laughs> <laughs> when he answers, I'll say, yeah, fuck Dave. Oh, hey, Dave. Of course you will. Yeah. I mean, the same way you did about, you're a sellout, you're a sellout, you're a sellout. I'm, I'm trying to get you on the network. <laughs> Subscribe now. Yeah, hello. <laughs> hello, Paul. I love you. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm. Doing- By the way, Paul does not fucking like that we're on the network. Really? I mean, I feel pretty confident with that. Yeah. I mean, I've spent the entire run of Bruce's show shit on. Look at that backdrop over the top. Oh, Buddha is suspended. Yeah, or maybe not suspended, but at least disqualified. You could call it suspended because he flew over for this match only, Tony. Over Nothing that. else. Yes, but he's going to splash both of them. Great job that time. At least get a little bit out of it. And okay, the great fucking Buddha. See you uh, next. Well, look, I. Uh, let me ask you this. The reason I bring this up, and I keep talking about it over and over and over. You really DM Dave Meltzer? Absolutely. I'll read it to you in a minute. Okay. Um, they only come over for just the one match. Yeah. And the rumor and innuendo at the time is that Moodle was supposed to be maybe coming over to take on Flair. Of course, that's not the case, and it comes over here. Obviously, they had a good relationship with New Japan, but 
Why do you think that Muda just comes over for one match? I mean, do you think the original intention was for it to be Flair and Muda? No, the, the original intention was for Muda to come over for one match. That's okay. what it was. That was part of the deal that they had. The deal that they had was if we want to keep sending guys over there, we need to keep taking some of their talent over here. So we had an opening, bring him over for one match. Let me ask you this. Heading into this match, Austin and Steamboat wrestled in a number one contenders match on WCW Saturday night, and the winner got a shot at Flair's title on this pay-per-view. Well, in the middle of the match, for no reason, Colonel Parker calls the DQ. And that finish to me just makes no psychological sense. I mean, why would you ruin it for your own guy? Can you chat me up about yeah, that? Yeah, no, I can't chat you up about that. I, I don't know why that happened either. There are a lot of things that logic. Whoa, wait a second. We're going to check with the natural Dustin Rhodes here. Dustin, a couple of things I need to ask you. First of all, <clears throat> I'm not going to get into this Gene Okerlund. Do I have a kidney shit? Because look over my left shoulder. It's in this Halliburton case. And we'll hand it to him and stick it up his ass here in just a few moments. But my question to you, Dustin Rhodes, the natural is, would you ever wear polka dots? Would you? Your old fucking man wore polka dots. Would you ever wear polka dots? That's what I'd like to ask you, and I have no idea why I'm here holding the microphone. I should be doing some commentary. Let's take a look one more time at what happened recently on WCW Saturday night in that shithole called Center Stage. Here comes Bunkhouse Buck with a trophy, just laying it in to the natural Dustin Rhodes and Colonel Robert Parker, still with that briefcase over on the side. And who's, oh my God, is that the Godwins on the outside as well? I guess it was the Godwins on the outside. Let me tell this i would never i would never wear polka dots but i might dress up as a transvestite <laughs> that gets me excited i'll do anything for money like you motherfuckers would because you're on the wwe network conrad thompson bruce pritchard sell out motherfuckers look at my shirt texas yes sir we used to have a good football team but we ain't worth shit anymore all right there you go that's from the natural dustin Rhodes, who said he'd never wear polka dots let's go back to the ring three two one Let's go back to the ring, I said. Three, two, one. Okay, let's go back to the ring. Jesse was never good on his cues. Let me just say, mm -hmm. me and Gene should have been doing this. Yes. Absolutely. All right, this is a big moment here. I don't know that you've even processed this. Do you know why this match is about to be significant right here? Uh, yeah, I do. This is the last uh, international world title match we've ever had. Keep going. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. This is it for Rick Rude, man. Rick Rude's going to have his fucking back broken not too long after this in Japan by Sting. Uh -huh. And this is the last time we're going to see Rick Rude strutting that ass on WCW papers. And that is unfortunate. shame. Because, and I'm watching this match, uh, just kind of soaking it in, thinking as I'm watching it, he was one hell of a performer, buddy. Unbelievable. He, oh, he was a great heel. I think he would say top 10 most underrated yes, for sure. Yes. Listen, and, and I know since you've got an in now, I think Rick Root should be considered for the Hall of Fame. He's in. Well, then I said, there you go. You did it. I know, I, I know fucking more than, more than I thought. Good it? job. You, you Thank did Thank you it. very much. You did it. I did. I got him in. <laughs> uh, if I, you know the last time I saw Rick Root? Probably before he died. You know, I saw him in his casket. What? Yeah, I did. You went to the funeral? Yeah. I mean. And, and we were, I walked in uh, and I had been told, I don't know if you heard this story. And you can talk to Eric about this. I had been told that Eric went to the funeral and they, Rick's wife had him removed because it, I don't believe that story. That's a shame. Okay. I don't believe that story that anybody would ever do that, but I heard that. So I show up 
And Barry Darso meets me at the door. He said, hey, thank you. You know, all the Minnesota guys are there. Thank you very much for coming. He said, you want to come over and see Rick? And I went, no, I don't want to see a stiff in a cast. It's weird. It is weird. I don't like and he it. said, come on, I want you. He said, you need to respect the family because they were all in there. And I, and I promise you, and, and it, I'm not trying to be funny. I know we try to be irreverent on this show, but I looked at Rick in the casket, okay? And he was had a green tint to him in the casket. And unfortunately for me, that's your memory. That's my memory of Rick Rude every time I see him. And I think about how when I looked at him in the casket, think about how great a performer he was, how he could talk, how he could bump, how he could work. I wish I'd never looked in that casket. <sighs> All right. So anyway. Way to bring us down. Yeah, thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, I'm going to start drinking now. <laughs> hey, so let's talk about Rick Rude here. Now, I guess we should mention that Harley Race is out here. And Harley Race, of course, is out here on behalf of Vader. And the situation is he's trying to challenge and say that, hey, whoever wins this, they've got a date with Big Van Vader. Right. And so I understand that. And now he tries to take part in Sting, take him down, and boom, Sting retaliates. And this is also going to uh, kind of a, be a precursor to the finish of this match. I mean, what, what a bump from Harley Race yeah. at a time when you think he's way too old to be doing that, Shit. and he still did it. Anybody who knows anything about Harley Race knows, wow, great back body drop, knows he is one of the toughest men that ever walked God's green earth. God's green earth. <laughs> That's right. So let me recommend that everybody go watch this match too. Yeah. I know that we're really doing a sell job. Look at that. Yeah. A suplex onto the floor from yeah. Sting to Ravishing Recruit, knowing what we know is going to happen very soon. Right. It's a shame. But you've got to watch this, in my opinion, just to pay homage to Ravishing Recruit, who I do believe is one of the more underrated performers. And I know great friend of the show, Pop Pop, he felt like, you know, Rick Rude was obviously having some substance troubles at different points in his life. And maybe, you know, he was not in the best position to be a good performer here. But as someone who was buying tickets and on the other side of the barricade, I thought Rick Rude had the one of the best heel personas of all time. A great physique, a great look. He sold everything. And he looked like an alpha male. He looked like a guy you wanted to hate. He looked like a badass. I mean... He had the look of everything you wanted in a professional wrestler. Had great facial expressions. Uh, you, you talked about selling, uh, and he could sell. There was no question. But he also, when he was on the offense, he had great facial expressions as well. Now we have one of the dumbest son of a bitches ever. I know he's dead. But Nick Bockwinkle to our right. What, what, there with us. Why did you hate Nick? I don't hate Nick. He was just Nick. Nick uh, Nick's persona was being the you know classy, when, the classy, the very intelligent champion yeah he wasn't that at all he was okay. like matt coon level I think. <laughs> that's right he exactly what he was and Heena used to always say that that stupid son of a bitch he called him that all the time now according to the Roman innuendo nick used to be pretty tight with bobby back in the day right well as you know bobby shit on everybody right so it didn't matter including you and boy big time apparently i, I, okay. I wish that bobby was here and he could shit on me now <laughs> well don't worry there'll be plenty of people shitting on you before this is all oh, they over. already are on the okay. WWE network whoa okay hey so sting here uh-huh. this is not my favorite era sting i i did prefer sting in like 90 and maybe 91 92 but by this point i was sort of done with this thing okay. all right so what is the difference between sting that you liked and this thing i'm just saying it felt a little fucking old okay 
you know, I needed a little more than just, okay. So, so see that what Cassio, here's, here's a little education about pro wrestling. Okay. Shit gets old quickly. It does. It does. You gotta, you gotta keep moving. And that's, and as, as, and here's what I want to say this, that I appreciate everybody who gave me a great response for MLW fusion. Okay. But two years from now, they're going to say, let's get that fat fucker off TV. They are. Yeah. So I, I do understand that's the way it so is. That's why you got to get a big contract on court <laughs> right. right now. That's right. Get as much money as I can because so pretty soon they're going to have We need you to tweet at MLW. Give Tony Schiavone a big contract. <laughs> I, don't need a, MLW. I don't need a big contract. I just need big money. That's what I mean. Okay. I don't mean many years. Okay. You're fucking 70. You ain't got many years. <laughs> You gotta make the most of it. You're gonna you be my age one time. You're gonna. I'm gonna be. Oh, around I'm too it. fat to live to your age. <laughs> this is not happening. Okay, uh, another great referee, Randy Anderson, in there, and it's amazing, isn't it? It's depressing when you think about two of two of the three. Yeah, no and, then, with us. and then uh, Heenan and Bachwinkle no longer with us down the ringside area. It's just well. you and Sting. Just me the and she Sting stands alone. Exactly. And Linda Rufio. Two out of. Five ain't bad or six. <laughs> I want you. I want you. I need you. I need you. Ain't no way I'm ever gonna love you. But don't be sad. Don't be sad. Cause three out of five ain't bad. Thank you. Well, there's only two of you, and there's six of you. <laughs> We're not really doing good math over here. I don't know. But, but, but Cass is a hell of a backup singer. I know that. But we do at SaveCade.com. <laughs> we haven't talked about that here on the show. No, we haven't. But SaveCade is really something that we sort of freestyled almost as a spinoff of Save with Bruce, where if people want to save money on their mortgage, their home loans, get rid of some credit card debt and whatnot, they could do that at SaveCade.com. And you had a blast doing that. Oh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I saw the video that you go to SaveCade.com. You'll see that video. Just uh, absolutely great shit. I was really proud to be a part of it. I really Lois was. is there. Oh, We've boy, got she the ever. Tom Zink song. Yeah. We've got Phantom of the Opera does a run-in. Wow. Great stuff over yeah. at SaveCade.com. Check it out if you haven't already. We can get you in a brand new house for no money down. We all can right. also help you get rid of all your credit card debt, get a cheaper monthly payment, get out of debt faster, retire on time, whatever you're looking for at NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender, SaveCade.com. Not Starcade. Savecade, that's S A V E C A D E, and uh, you'll see Tony and I there. And uh, who better to help you save money than Tony and I? Go right to the Savecade Control Center and you can save money. Meanwhile, uh, Johnny B. Bad's glitter is all over Rick Rude right now, still, so it's still hanging around. Rude just does some good shit, man. He just watch, look at his face, his facial expressions while he's laying in the offense as well. Look, he's just great. Forearm blows, nice belly-to-back pickup, and he just just absolutely loved him. You know, I knew Rick when I first started uh, working uh, in with Crockett Promotions. Rick Root and Manny Fernandez were World Tag Team Champions. Really? That's, that's how long ago that was. I think he kept one of those belts, believe it or not. Did he? Hmm. I guess it's worth mentioning. We just passed like the 19-year anniversary of Rick Root's passing, which oh my god, 19 years. Shame. Yeah. Wow. Let's talk about the injury. I know a lot of people sort of gloss over that with this pay-per-view, but, I mean, this is really the last time we get to see him on the big stage here because this injury with Sting, they're working a match over in Japan, happened there, and it happened on May 1st. So, as a reminder, we're in April. 
Yeah, two weeks uh, we're two weeks out. Just yeah, well, yeah, not very far at all. And Rick defeated Sting in that match to regain the title because uh, Sting is going to come away victorious. There's a twenty-something year old spoiler for you. But during the match, Rick's on the outside. Sting does the body press and it goes over the top rope. And his back hits on the edge of a raised platform. A lot of those matches in Japan had the ring up on a platform. Right. Rick somehow toughs it out and is able to finish the match, but then he's forced to retire and he never has another match. And according to the legend, he never really forgave Sting for it. Did you ever have a conversation with Rude about that injury? No, not at all. And it did not. It really is a shame. And, and I guess we should mention here that the title wound up being stripped from Rude and it was decided at slamboree when sting would beat vader to win that title so that's sort of how they get out of it at the next pay-per-view sting and vader battle for this belt but really it should have been rude in there and unfortunately it wasn't it's fucking depressing man talking about rick rude here especially when you sort of given your casket yeah well i just i had and i just i love how he reacts to the fans uh, I love how you would say, you know, cut the music. I just, I loved whatever he did, man. Look at him do it. He's uh, twerking. Let me ask you this. Wow. Uh, before twerking was a thing, right? Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Hulk Hogan's going to be in the company not too long after this. And those guys never really had a feud together. I mean, they had a couple of matches here or there. I know there's one on a DVD where uh, Rude wrestles Hogan in the Boston Gardens. But Hogan, according to Ric Flair, was never comfortable doing business with Rude. He felt like Rude couldn't be trusted or... Maybe Rude had some addiction problems or whatever. There was some sort of personality, I don't know, situation mm. between the two. Do you think that maybe, and this is just freestyling, do you think there's a possibility that had he not been injured, Hogan and Rude may have had that feud here in WCW yeah. that they didn't have in the WWF? I, I think I think that's a, a good assessment. I think that would have that would have worked out. I don't I don't understand why Hogan may and I know we're freestyling. Hogan may not have trusted Rude. Uh, maybe addiction problems it was a concern. One of the boys, once upon a time, when I was having a conversation, and I, I don't name names because I don't want them to feel like I'm speaking out of turn, but somebody said, oh, Rude was one of the biggest drug addicts in the history of our business. Really? And I sort of tilted my head, almost like a dog hearing Andy Griffith, like, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. I mean... And he said that he was always so high strong about everything that he'd be calling spots through gritted teeth, you know, in the match. So he'd be like, fucking shoulder tackle. Mm. And he was just on edge about right. everything. Right. And, and and a lot of guys maybe attributed that. Um, to being high? To, to being on some farm, pharma- having some pharmaceutical assistance that maybe he just wasn't all the way there based on some other things do you have i mean did you have any experience with him being really that high strung no no he was always i i the rick root i knew was completely the other way right was almost like he was on downers it's weird it's it's almost like it feels like there's a tale of two roots right you know it's almost depending on who you ask you know you get one story from flair you get another from other guys Uh, it's it's interesting. We went to his house uh, to do an interview with him. He's in I, Warner Robins, right? Who? Rude. No, this is the, he had. Uh, oh, he was in Georgia at that he time. He was in Georgia at that time. We went to his house, and I, and I cannot line up the date when it was, but we went to his house to do an interview with him, 
and he dressed up for the interview and he had his wife, he had his wife have hors d'oeuvres and everything for us. And we did the interview and he was so dead set on getting the interview right. We did it over and over and over again. And he wasn't obnoxious about it, but he just wanted to get it right. And I thought he was really professional about it. And I really had a lot of time for him because of that one interview. Now, where it ever aired, I don't know. Maybe it was back when I was doing those one-on-one interviews. Right. That Dave Meltzer loved. And he he loved. did like He put them over. Well, I know he did. You know why, don't you? Because I wasn't doing play-by-play. That's why he put them over. Well, Keep Shivani out of the play-by-play chair. I, Let's make sure he does a good job here. I think you're taking a lot of it too personally. You know, I'm DMing Dave these days. Okay. So he doesn't shit Tell him to me. DM me. Uh but yeah, you can you can see that Rick did a lot of you know gritting his teeth. Stingers flag. Whoa! Down Stingers goes the referee. Down goes Randy Anderson. Mm-hmm. And so Sting looks, but well, yeah, but why not? The referee's down. I might as well put the stinger splash on him, right? Because what the fuck? Come on! And now Randy, come on, wake up! He's, wake up! What the fuck? You're not in Rome, Georgia, and you're not an Orkin dealer anymore. Come on, let's go. Come on. Oh, here it goes from down from God's green earth. Whoa. Back body drop. Uh, and we're getting to ready to see the big motherfucker come in. And he was fucking awesome. Fuck. I just absolutely loved Vader. Can I tell you, um, did you ever see anything with CM Punk? Have you heard of him? Do you oh, know about CM Punk? Yeah. Okay. I, I, uh, I, I met him a couple of years ago, right before he left the WWE. Okay. He was in Atlanta and he was doing a radio show. Uh, is that the station where you at are? At the station, yeah, and I talked to him. So, yeah, one of the great old school talkers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, he had a uh, back when he was on the Indies before he made it big. Mm-hmm. He had an opportunity to meet Harley Race, uh-huh. and Harley Race apparently in conversation was talking about that fucking quote unquote Indian goof. And it took CM Punk several minutes to figure out who he meant. Did he mean Wahoo? Uh-huh. Did he mean Strongbow? Right. Who did he mean? Harley Race called an Indian goof. That was his way of referring to the ultimate warrior, which to me was a mind-blowing deal, mostly because I never put together that the ultimate warrior was an Indian gimmick. Right. I never did either. But it, it is. It is an Indian gimmick. How did we not see that? But God's green earth did. After he delivers the world's worst chair shot. Exactly. Harley Race, known as being one of the stiffest motherfuckers yeah. ever. Right. Did not want to uh, tear up the franchise there, so he pity pats on Sting, but Sting's back is somehow bloody because, well, it's Harley Race. Uh, fans really popped for the changing of the guard, and I always thought it was interesting calling it the international world title. Well, let me just say this. I know okay. I'm biased. Mm-hmm. I know I'm biased. But this big gold belt here, this is the real world's title. Of course it and is. And what Sting and, and Steamboat are fighting for later pales in comparison. Sure. You say that because you own this thing, right? Well, roll tide. Okay, see? <laughs> see, I know. I understand. He's on the WWE Network. He owns the big gold belt. Ah, you've done it all, my friend. You've done it all. You're not even 40. Not even close. Woo! There he is. Sting. And he has the belt turned upside down, dumb fuck. All right. Now we're going to take a look at a replay. Where are we going to now? Three, two, one. Let's take a look at the replay once again. You see uh, Randy Anderson gets sandwiched. He looks, makes sure Sting is coming. Sting is coming. Oh! Head on head. Down goes a little goof from Rome, Georgia. Sting gets bloodied. Rude gets bloodied. 
and Sting is going to get the win. Get out of here, you motherfucker. And one, two, three. I think I'm getting better in calling replays now. I guess I should mention here, they go 13 minutes, nine seconds, and mm-hmm. Meltzer would write, Harley Race came out before the match, so Vader could challenge the winner, which is funny since Vader is actually going to wrestle the loser. Yeah. Uh, the finish was just as awful as far as the execution, but it didn't seem to matter to the crowd. Rude was supposed to do the try, uh, try for the Rude Awakening, and Race would come in, go to hit Sting with a chair. Sting would fall, and Rude would go get the blow and get pinned, which is what happened. The only problem was that Rude, or Race rather, couldn't find a chair and was completely out of position when Rude went for the move. So Rude had to do a 10-second freeze waiting, and Harley was still looking for a chair, <laughs> let alone getting in a position for the finish. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, Dave didn't like it. We saw that stalled Rude awakening that never really happened. Uh, only two stars here. Mm. Uh, we're going to see a promo in the back in a few minutes, including a, a towel-clad Jerry Sags, which I can't wait for you to see. Mm. How bad was that finish fucking botched? Yeah, that that finish was botched, but you know what? The fans bought it. They did. They were happy with the ending. They right. wanted their baby face to be championed right. again. Sting, as as tired as I may have been with him, mm-hmm. um, the fans were not. And there's Aaron Neville. Yeah, just Chilling gone. ringside. Maybe that's why Harley couldn't find a chair, because Aaron <laughs> Neville's ass was in it. <laughs> that's, that's You're exactly right. Aaron said, I want to go to ringside. We said, fuck you, Aaron Neville. Go on to ringside. Why not? And he just sit down there. We never put a headphones on him or anything like that. And now here comes Bunkhouse Buck and Colonel Robert Parker. What does Bunkhouse Buck do in real life in 2018, do you think? Wow. He may be working at a Jiffy Lube. I don't know. Could be. Shit, he may be a fucking millionaire. I don't know. What's he doing? I don't know. I thought you knew everything. No, I don't. Obviously, I don't know everything. There's a lot of KFC signs out there. I guess that's why they uh, they were directing their angst at Robert Parker. You see KFC sign over on the left. There's a KFC bucket, you see? So my question is that everybody's playing the colonel on TV. Including Ric Flair. Right. Why can't Robert Parker play? Because he's not a star. But he will be after he's on BN Sports <laughs> with MLW. That's MLW. Fusion. I'm just saying, in your head, they're going to go Reba McIntyre, Ric mm-hmm. Flair, Daryl Hammond, oh, he's not, he's dead. Yeah. Almost as dead as Colonel Robert Parker. Watch, watch him shoot in the ring here. Watch this. I love this beginning. Wow. Some good shit, man. Listen, this, this is why, as we're watching this right now and watching what Dustin can do, this is why I really had a real problem with Gold Dust. And I know Gold Dust became a legendary character, right? I understand that. But Dustin Rhodes could fucking work. Well, but Goldust could work, too. It's the same guy underneath. It's just a gimmick. It got him attention. And here's the other thing. I don't know that many of you have ever talked about this, but let me tell you this. I really do mean this. To me, you'd want to be the wrestler who had the most gimmicks. It's the most opportunity for merchandise, is it not? Yes. If he starts doing his paint different, now they got to have new figures. they got to have new masks. they got to have new doll. Like, to me, it, it affords you more opportunity if you do have gimmicks. And I know some of the greatest wrestlers of all time didn't have gimmicks, quote-unquote. Do you know how many fucking Ric Flair action figures there are? And do you know why? Because they put a different robe on them. So if you buy the, if you buy a figure with a blue robe, well, now you need the one with the red. Now you need the one with the pink. Now you need the one with the black. And now you need the one with the white. I know guys who have 25 fucking Ric Flair dolls. And do you know how many Hulk Hogan's ones they got? Two. One in yellow, one in black. So really and truly, in a weird way, having all these extra gimmicks really helps the merchandise aspect. 
And that line of thinking, my friend, is why you're a millionaire. And my line of thinking is why I'm married to Lois Shivani. So there's the difference between you and me. Good decisions, forethought, hey, you know, bad decisions, 38 years later, fucking stuck. Megan <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> you know, Cassio's going to do my wedding. Did you know that? What, you, what are you going to be, the priest, preacher? Cassio's are, ordained. You're ordained? Yeah. Well, of course. If Bruce Preacher's ordained, anybody's ordained. Look. I mean, I'm ordained, too. Well, why I not? Done, I could have done your daughter's wedding. Why? Ooh. Damn. I'd have been free, too. <laughs> okay, so. So here's my here's my pitch. You really gonna do his wedding? Yeah. Wow. I asked him and he agreed. Can you you gonna throw a motherfucker in there? <laughs> He's wearing the low key big hog shirt during the ceremony. <laughs> By the way, this is worth mentioning. The other night Foley was in town. We went to see him and uh-huh. uh, Cassio wore the low key big hog shirt uh-huh. and he got a picture with Foley and posted it online. So there's a picture of Foley and Cassio <laughs> somewhere on Twitter. With a low-key big hog shirt. Oh, I see it right now. Oh, very good. I'm not a good Christmas gift giver. <laughs> but low-key big hog's a fucking great shirt. Yes, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Look at Colonel Robert Parker yeah. choking gold dust here. Now, he's doing it with a handkerchief, not with the jump rope. Right. Kendo stick, really getting popular in ECW at the mm-hmm. time with the Sandman character. Yeah. And uh, I guess ECW started calling it a Singapore cane. And you mm-hmm. remember why, I'm sure. Yes, because of the the kid that got caned in Singapore. Yeah. But I called it on this show, I called it a one by two. I called it a one by two. <laughs> a one by two. You're a fucking idiot. Hey, so let me ask you. <laughs> but this. it was a one by two. We got lots one. of feedback on our ECW watch along. Lot, yeah. I mean, tons of haters beforehand saying, why are you watching this? Tony wasn't there. And yeah. I'm like, fuck, dude, you listen to 19 WrestleMania podcasts and none of those sons of bitches were there. What does it <laughs> right. matter? We're having fun. What right. Exactly. Right. So then afterwards, everybody's like, God damn, do more of that. that yeah. The best thing ever. Yeah. So it was great feedback. But one of the things that people really were hot at you about is when you said you'd never seen a Sandman match. And I was like, he hasn't. Right. And they were like, well, he wrestled as hardcore hack in right. WCW. And I'm like, that's not the same exactly. thing. Exactly. That's like saying, I met Clark Kent. Well, you didn't meet Superman. Exactly. I exactly. Mean, one guy has the badass interest, the right. cigarettes, the beer, the yeah. music. The other guy has a fucking cane and a t-shirt. Exactly. It's not the same. It's not the same. And I saw that same thing. <laughs> well, you don't remember you saw hardcore hack. I remember saw hardcore hack. Of course. Not but he didn't have the Sandman entrance. No. Fuck. Or the cigarettes, yeah, or, or the, the beer, the, all that shit. Yeah. So you know, again, if you're if you're uh, splitting hairs with that, you're you got nothing. To, I delete your Twitter account. Speaking Do me of a favor. speaking of splitting Deleted. hairs, not only did we hear from her husband, but we heard from Francine herself. Oh, come on, Francine! I swear, you make me obscene. Are you okay? Hmm. She was. There's something about Francine. If you take all the girls who have been in, all the ladies who have been in wrestling, there was just something about her. Cranks your tractor? It just, it, it really, it just, I just, I can't put my finger on it. But, but she'd like to. <laughs> but I'm not saying that. No, she's a married woman. I wouldn't say things like that. No, but, I mean, if you're her celebrity hall pass, I'm using the word celebrity very loosely, but. She's just something about her that I was just, fuck. Enamored with. Yeah, really. Well, I have it on good authority that we're sending her a shirt. Okay. And she's going to send you a shirt. She actually is selling shirts now over at ProWrestlingTees.com. Good for her. And she's recovering from a little surgery. Uh-huh. I don't know if it was bigger implants or smaller or what. Okay. Or maybe it's not even implants, okay. but for the purposes of our story, it is. Okay. 
And one of her shirts is a shirt that says Booby Club. Wow. Not Bullet Club, Booby, Booby Club. Okay. And not Austin 316, mm-hmm. Francine 469. <laughs> so those shirts are coming your way. Oh, God bless you, Francine. And, and normally what we do is whenever somebody buys a shirt at LoisRules.com, you actually personally call and thank them. Uh-huh. With permission, uh-huh. she's ripping our gimmick off. And so now when you buy a Francine shirt, she mm-hmm. will call and thank you. So here's what you have coming. Francine's going to call you. Oh, God. Woo! Woo! And I'm going to work it out sometime no. in the next coming weeks. Last week, we had our very first guest on the show, the fellow who brought on the lowest rule sign to WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. We got great feedback from that. So in a few weeks, you're going to hear Francine calling and thanking you for your T-shirt purchase. I mean, I bought it with my WWE Network money, but hmm. still... Well, you got plenty of money. Are you going to be able to wear your, your booby club shirt around yes. the house? I might wear Francine 469 around the house. Lois won't know what that is. No, she has no idea. She'll think that was the year she was born or something. <laughs> no, Lois was yeah. born a long time before that. No, I mean Francine. Oh, Francine, yeah. Uh, well, one thing I can say to that is to ra, to ra, to ra, to ra. I have no idea what y'all are doing right now. Come on, Francine. Oh, okay, right. Thank you. Oh, man, just something about her. So, so where are we here in this match? Dustin Rhodes okay. is bleeding like a stuck pig. Wow. See, and Bunkhouse Buck is whipping the shit out of him. By uh-huh. the way, Bunkhouse Buck looks like he could be Randy Owen's uncle. <laughs> I feel like Bunkhouse Buck is from Fife, Alabama. <laughs> Fife, Alabama. He's on his way to trade day. He's been yeah. in the sock mill all day. He's ready to go buy some rabbits and eat a little... <laughs> Uh, red eye gravy, okay. some cathead biscuits. <laughs> That's, this is all kinds of Alabama shit coming out some here now. Country yeah, ham, okay. okay. Some sawmill gravy, right? I I know what red lots eye of gravy. gravy. Yeah. What is sawmill gravy? Is that? It's like white gravy, okay. with uh, pepper in it. Right. It's kind of like, like sausage a, gravy. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I think up north they call it something. To, y'all make it with fucking powder up there in Pennsylvania or wherever the shit you live. I live in Georgia. Go yep. fucking dogs. How's that but sound? It used to be okay. well, it used to be Yankee. Yeah. There's no there's no like natural born Shivani's in Georgia. <laughs> no. None in the South at all. We were all transplanted to the South. Of course you are. Yeah. And we're allowing you to be here. <laughs> Thank you very much for allowing me to be here. So great. You know, this is another hell of a match. Listen, I'm really gonna tell is. you what I've always had an irrational hate for Bunkhouse Buck. Yeah. And I know Jimmy Golden is a great performer, and a lot of people like him and yeah. grew up with him doing a lot of great stuff. Yeah. I got nothing fucking for him. I, I don't know why I don't like him. Really? I can't put my finger on it. It's an irrational hate, dude. Yeah, it is. because I he, got no reason. He's can, done nothing to me. No, he he should, puts on good matches. Yes, he does. He's a hell of a worker. Yes. And but I a, want him off my fucking TV. A, and not only that, it's a hell of a gimmick. This bunkhouse buck is I a fucking hell of a hate it. That's what it is. <laughs> I don't hate him as a performer. I hate this goddamn character so much. Really? I hate you need to, you so need, Gosh, you need to get over it. By the way, you I do to to love Dustin for this. Rhodes. I feel like I should mention that I do love Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. And you know what else Dustin likes? Savecade.com. Mm-hmm. Have I mentioned this, that I, hope, that I helped get Dustin into a mortgage? No, really? Yeah, Dustin and his family bought a house a couple years back. And, uh, Great. Roll Tide. I was their huckleberry. Savecade.com. Savecade.com. Let me tell you why it's so easy to apply. Savecade.com. Savecade.com. Get us on the network quickly so I can pay off my debt. Okay, there. Moved out of the way. I liked I liked Jimmy Golden. I liked a lot of his shit. I really did. Liked him. What's he doing now? Is what he was alive? that noise? Did you hear that? I did too. 
What was that? Is there somebody else in this in the Conradison here that we don't know about? Not that I know of. You never know. This place is so big. Could be a guy been stuck back there for a couple months. By the months. way, you know, uh, J- Jimmy Golden, 67 years old now. Wow. Tennessee native. In 2010, you may have seen him as Jack Swagger Sr. His cousins are Robert and Ron Fuller. So a lot of people may not realize that, but that's his cousin out there with the jump rope right now. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff, man. But Dustin into the, you know, Dustin was always just a tremendous worker. Robert Parker waving that hanky around. And now they're getting ready to open up Jimmy Golden here. There you go. Clink down. Saw, 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 saw. Get up a little blood on the face. Listen, you know, a lot of people are uh, not comfortable talking about this, but I just want to ask, what was the first time you saw a blade in wrestling? Stark 883. Like you saw guys making it in the back? No, I saw a guy give a guy a blade job in the ring. You witnessed that happen. I witnessed, uh-huh. So you had not ever noticed it before then, but no. that's when you realized, oh, that's how they do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and your understanding of it is to take a razor, cut it in half, put a little tape around the one end, uh-huh. and then get the business on the other end? That's how it happened normally. Uh, I, I think some guys did it differently. Some guys stuck it. They would have uh, tape around their, fore, uh, their wrist. And they'd peel it back a little they'd bit. They'd peel it back a little bit, and they pull it out. Some guys would have it stuck in their finger. Like I think Flair had it stuck. Flair in had it in his finger. Okay. The tape around the fingers right. that you always tape saw. around the fingers. Tully also put it in their lip. Tully, I was getting ready to say Tully Blanchard put it in his lip. He had a little edge tape. Uh, so when we're saying in the lip, what we mean is like between your gum mm-hmm. and your lip, like a dip on the front of your fi- exactly like, like a dip, right? Great analogy. And they they would just pull it out and and put it back in. Yeah. And I've seen Tully drop his blade and and Tommy Young pick it up and stick it in his in his uh, sure in his, yeah so of course they were all teams but back then it was so I mean it but, was it was very much a thing that was like closed right. off you didn't talk about it no no but what I remember and of course Starcade eighty three was my first event right? right and you watch they they did a gimmick at the end of the Kevin Sullivan uh, Mark Lewin match where they took the golden spike and Gary Hart was there and they hit uh, Scott McGee with the golden spike. And he bled, bled like a motherfucker. And if you watch that, it was apparently Scott McGee's first first blade job. Kevin did it for him, did he not? That's right. They, the, the old thing was back then, if you've never done a blade job... We'll do it for you. They were going to do it for you because they wanted you to do it and they thought you'd chicken out if you were going to do it yourself. So they would do... And if you watch that match, Kevin... I don't know if, how big of a blade or how he takes it and just rakes it across his forehead. And I saw it happen. I'm thinking, holy shit, he just cut him fucking wide open. And the way the camera shot was and the way that thing, the way it happened was the most grotesque blade job I've ever seen. And it's the first blade job I've ever, I'd ever noticed. So go back and watch that on the network. And For nine, only nine ninety nine. Go and watch, watch the end of that, that match. All right, here is Dustin Rhodes just unloading the elbows on Bunkhouse Buck. And I got to tell you, this is believable because in the UFC right now, like that will cut a dude like nobody's business. Now, they don't normally do the flip-flop and fly before the last one. Right. But still, those elbows are uh-huh. known to yeah. cut a dude wide open. Absolutely. So Dustin will go for these bulldog. Fans are kind of into this with him. and They're into the blood. They're into the gore that's going on right now. Got the – and what the hell? And now Colonel Parker is up. Colonel Parker been known to take a pretty good bump as well. That's there. Robert Fuller, good guy. He do a lot of stuff. I'm glad he's back in, in wrestling. I'm glad he's back in MLW. <laughs> MLW Fusion, Fusion. Available now on BN Sports. 8 o'clock on Friday nights. 
for one hour. And you know what I like about that? It's an hour. It's a fucking hour. It's digestible. Yeah, you know exactly, what I mean? Like, exactly right. You can enjoy it, move on to your next thing. Right. It doesn't have to take over your whole night. Right. And what's great about it, too, is you can DVR it. Like, right. And watch the whole thing after you DVR it. Instead of like when you record raw, you watch it and you fast forward through the matches and get to the oh, interviews. No. I didn't do that. Cause here's, and here's why I didn't do it because you work for the WWE now. Well, no, I'm, I, I mean, I, I fast forward through on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I was saying I didn't fast forward through MLW. And the reason I didn't fast forward is because I was curious, Hey, what's the production values of this thing going to be? Right. We've seen so many independents that really just sort of aren't up to snuff. I'm going to tell you that MLW production to me was on the level with ring of honor or anything else. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm- Court has done a phenomenal job yes, with everything has. except picking Rich Bocchini. You know? <laughs> Stop. No, leave, listen. Leave Rich alone. Rich is a good kid. He know we're friends. Okay. Like, yeah. It's funny that so many people think that I hate JJ and Rich. I'm yeah. trying to give their show the rub. They're trying well, to build an audience. I listen every week. Yeah. They're good guys. Rich is a hard worker. And right. JJ is a phenomenal storyteller. Yeah, but the problem is JJ is 85 and Rich is two foot one. It is. Okay, and that's the problem when you have a... A short guy and an old guy. That's what happens. One, two, three. Yes, sir. After all this, why would after all this, why would he try to hi, try to hide the the brass knucks? I that one, the logic flew out the window on that one. But still, Bunkhouse Buck is the winner. He looks like a country singer. <laughs> Tell me, he's not related to Travis Tritt. <laughs> he could be. Play me some country music. Those are some like big old grandma. tall motherfuckers, though, I'll tell what, you that. What's that? Those are some big old tall motherfuckers. Who was? Fucking Fuller and Bunkhouse Oh, Fuller. Buck. Yeah, shit. Fuller was, it is, what, 6'5", six, 6'6"? Six, six? That's what I'm saying. I'm 6'3 and change, and those motherfuckers are towered over me. Yeah. I'm not going to say they're Matt Coon height. And now we're going to take a look one more time at, boom, right on the side of the head. How great was Dustin? I can't believe y'all let him get away. Jesus. What would his career have looked like had y'all not fired him over some bullshit? Uh, over that bunk, uh, that uh, blacktop bully bullshit. Shit, he could have been. A, he could have had a run at the world title. I mean, I, I think, think Dustin so. Rhodes and Ric Flair would have been a hell of a match. It would have been phenomenal. Yeah, you know the the rumored innuendo. Well, let's let you take over. Okay, here. is this where we're going to see Jerry Sags in a towel? Yes. Okay. God damn it. Okay, no, Gene Okerlund needs that ice bag to put on his side. We got Jesse Ventura here talking to Rickery. Yeah, when we take out Gene Okerlund's, okay, what the fuck is going on? This is my, what the, what the fuck? Who the fuck? What the fuck? What, who the fuck? What the fuck? What the, who, what the, what the fuck? What the motherfucker? Who the fuck? What the fuck? Don't say what the fuck to me, mother. I'm saying what the fuck to you. Holy shit, Jerry Sags in a towel. And look at Steve Regal getting involved in it as well. Oh, look, Jerry, Jeff. Look at the whole shit. I just got an eye full of Sags in a towel. My, my eyeballs are melting. My eyeballs are melting out of my head. Oh, my God, get him out of there. Not only is he in a towel, he's in the front. Oh, God. Oh, he didn't have to put on glasses so his eyeballs wouldn't melt. Holy shit. I didn't realize that until you told me. Really? Oh, that was horrible. Awful. It? Absolutely awful. Look at fucking Bobby Hanna doing his best gorilla monsoon here with the tin and glasses. <laughs> I know. Absolutely. And, of course, we have Aaron Neville over there just kind of hanging out. What is he doing? He just he just wanted to watch the matches. Well, and, and he couldn't talk to anybody because no. y'all are working. I know. And he just the, wanted to sit up close by himself. Yeah. I don't know why we didn't put, you know, why we didn't put. Big uh, boss man just broke handcuffs. Yeah. And now he's sliding in. He's going to take on Vader. Mm-hmm. 
And of course, he's saving Ric Flair. Who, exactly. Who is a baby face here. Right. Yeah, there's all kinds of reasons not to like this. Number one is this fucking piece of shit cage we had. The worst fucking cage of ever. all time. It's like ever. the Thunderdome yeah. cage. You couldn't climb it. You couldn't. You couldn't climb it. Okay. I'll tell you. And this. you couldn't gig a person with it because it didn't look authentic. Menacing. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was cool that you know you could buy the cage as a toy. Yeah. So well, from a merchandise aspect, it was cool. Sure. Right. But it wasn't like the wasn't like the the cage where the the cool cage where they would climb up and out like the WWE or the the cage that we had where you could rake a guy's face across it. And now time for a grudge match. And here's the good news is uh, we are going to strip Ray Trailer of yet another after this is over. Going to strip him of yet another gimmick. <laughs> you know it's a shame because he was we first saw him as Big Bubba Rogers and uh-huh. Jim Crockett. Right. He goes north, and we had this conversation this week. Uh, I mean, you weren't here. You couldn't come. You had a baseball game. Mm. But I'm not invited to the network either yet. But go ahead. Well, no, I wasn't talking about it with my oh, WWE we... and fellow brethren. Okay. I was talking with Dick Bourne and oh. Ron Rogers. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I want to freestyle something here. I think that nobody had the ascent from Crockett to WWF that Bossman did. Like guys who left Crockett and then went north. Who did more? Who who jumped and, and, value, and their value just skyrocketed the way Bossman's did? And I thought it was Bossman. Right. Can you think of anybody who would beat that? Apparently there is somebody. Who? But I can't think of it. I can't either. Okay. No, they couldn't either. Because, not, because I can tell you, even before he became Big Bubba Rogers, he was a job guy named Ray Trailer. And you were beating the fuck out of him. That's totally right. gave him the slingshot right. on exactly. Crockett TV back and, in the day. And I remember, I remember Dusty said... I remember being back in one of those meetings. Dusty says, we've got to be able to do something with this kid. Yeah. And then he became Big Bubba. he's a big, mobile, working right, exactly. And then all of a sudden, now all of a sudden in 19... Now we're talking 86, right? Yep. All right. Three years later, 89. He's on top. WWE. And Madison Square Garden against Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Right. That's a big deal. You're damn right. I mean, and I know that everybody, uh, a lot of my a lot of my very good wrestling friends are like hardcore Crockett people. Uh-huh. And it's like, man, he's going from working fucking studio matches in front of a couple of bleachers with hillbillies on right. it to Madison Square Garden. Right. Now, I'm from Alabama, but right. goddamn, it's Madison Square Garden against Hulk Hogan. That's right. It's That's, a big deal. Yeah. So he's, and and the reason is, and, and I think we're watching some of the reason Ray, Ray Trailer could do a lot of good shit. He had very good working punches. As you mentioned just a moment ago, he was mobile as a big guy. Uh, I love these stuff, man. I, I, I love it. It's weird to talk about a guy who's that size and say he's quick, but yeah. he was. Yes, he was. Ray you, could, know, you have an expectation when you see a guy that big as to the way he's going to move. Right. But he almost moved like a guy who was significantly younger. And what was great to me is he reinvented himself, not with these stupid gimmicks here, uh-huh. but when he goes back to the WWF later, uh-huh. he's a totally different character. Sure. I mean, he, his body was different. His, his work was different. I mean, he was just a different person. Now here, you guys really had no fucking idea what to do with him and no. gave him 19 different gimmicks. Right. And he's sort of in purgatory here to right. me. He always enjoyed his greatest success in the WWF. And it's always weird to me that here's a Southern guy who really started with the roots of this company, Jim Crockett, and they never really figured out what to do with him. Well, they, what they, what we were trying to do here, we were trying to piggyback on the popularity and the gate draw that he was as the big boss man. Just about what three years later, three years earlier, four years earlier. Well, say. yeah, I mean, he was a big deal. So that's why we called him the boss. We couldn't call him the boss man. We called him the boss, and then I guess we got cold feet because we're getting ready to strip him of his boss name here. 
at the end of this. I assume that's because Vince was trying to press the issue. Right. And, um, a, and of course, the only thing you have to do is sue. And we about look at this big guy take flight. Holy what the shit. fuck was that? Let me just say, I'm a huge Big Van Vader fan. Uh-huh. My favorite big guy ever. Yeah. He's recently had a lot of health problems. Right. So I'm going to give a shout out to Vader. Yeah. We hope he kicks out. Yeah. He's been a, a fairly polarizing guy. You know, there's two types of uh, people who are, you know, when it comes to Vader, people who love him and people who hate him. Hmm. Wh- which side would you follow? Oh, I love him. Absolutely loved him. But I was also that I was also the on the side of people that hated him when he would drop down on the floor because you, I mean, when, when Leon got into working mode, you just didn't know you weren't safe. He was a different level. Do you ever listen to, um, um, Howard Stern? Uh, no, I don't. There's a character on Howard Stern named Benji. Uh-huh. And they talk about how Benji gets into the, his full shtick. Yeah. And when he's in his Benji shtick, you just can't shake him out of it. Vader, Scott Steiner, right. Nasty Boys. Right. Those are guys who, when they were in, they were in. Right, right. Yeah, he was a very scary dude. And uh, there's a story, and you may want to look this up, and uh, listening to our podcast, look this up. There was a story about him in Japan beating up a woman. Have you heard that story? No, I have not heard that. Beating up a promoter's wife. Not Baba's wife. You're not saying that. Mm, Don't think it's Baba's wife. But it was a promoter's wife that he beat up you know, on his way back to the he was on his way back to the uh, dressing room. She was standing there and he beat the shit out of her. I'd really like to not believe that. I would like to not believe it, too. But that that's a story. That's a well-known story that's out there. So I just you, I'm sure somebody can say, yeah, I heard of that. But, well, you know, you also know the story that in Japan I was told. I don't know. I know Meltzer knows this. Uh, I was told that in Japan that at least years ago, back when I was in the business, uh, back in the 80s and 90s, it was an honor to get involved in the match as a fan. Oh, absolutely. And right. so it would be a big deal. And even a few years ago, guys were lining up to get slapped right. by wrestlers. Right, right, right. So I don't know if that was a part of this was a working thing or not. But anyway. Let's talk about the match beforehand. Bunkhouse Buck and Dustin Rhodes went 14 minutes and 17 seconds. Meltzer called it an excellent bloodbath. Uh-huh. And he says, since they're bringing these two back in a bunkhouse match on the next pay-per-view, the heel had to go over. So this was the only logical finish. Four yeah. stars. Well, good. Well, I agree. Four stars. I agree that Dave Meltzer is the guy who makes sure that everything is fucking logical. All right. If, it, if Dave Meltzer says it, look at this. Almost killed him, right? Absolutely. I mean, almost took his head off. Almost killed him. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like Ray Trailer saying, "I better hold on this top rope, or I'm getting ready to die." Really, I, that was well, that was one of the scariest maneuvers of the entire show. Absolutely. <laughs> there you see. Yeah. Wow. Look at Leon, buddy. He's bleeding from the eye here. Yeah, he didn't give a shit. He was in full Vader mode right now, man. If I get hurt, what the hell? Move forward. It's worth mentioning. Um, Vader is going to suffer a broken wrist when Ball suplexes him off the middle rope onto his shoulder. And in the process, uh, they managed to get three and a half stars from Dave Meltzer. Uh. Yeah. Vader, you're right. Vader's one of the best big man ever. The, I think. Yeah. Well, I would agree. For a guy his size, whatever, I don't know what you consider big man. Over 300 pounds. Got to be, right? Yeah. I mean, he's 400 here. Yeah. 
So th- he's going to break his uh, wrist here in this in this match, or he's already done it. According to the Observer, he breaks his wrist with a suplex. Uh-huh. Uh So we'll see okay. that here in this match. Right. I also want to know. You know, one of the things that we've heard on Bruce Pritchard's podcast is that Vader sort of had a reputation for not being the most hygienic guy when it came to his gear and whatnot. Yeah, right. Did you hear people talk about that in WCW? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that remember, he used to have that leather headdress. That's right. And that thing would sweat and stink and smell. Absolutely. Hypothetically, yeah. did the, the giant helmet that he wore to the ring yeah. and blue smoke, that didn't stink, did it? I never stuck my head in it. That's what he said. I'm trying to buy that thing, which is why <laughs> okay, I ask. Okay. I'm hoping that next time you're over, it'll be in my theater. In okay, here. and I hope you have a fumigated before you stick it down in your theater. Well, I'm going to send it to Lois. It'll I be fumigated. Lois knows a lot about cleaning. She sure does. If it has dog hair in it, it'll still be in it when you get it back. She, I mean, I have a good authority. She's so good at cleaning, she cleans your bank account out in 2010. <laughs> She's never had a bank account. It's always been mine. In the ropes. Boy, I'm getting ready to get a divorce out of this one. Wow. She great bump. She ain't listening. She only listens to the one she's on. Yeah, but you know what? Her daughter listens. Oh, well. Hello, Laurie, sweetheart. I'm glad you're listening. Don't don't Wait. tell mom anything we've said. Your daughter's Please. listening right now? Oh, yeah. She listens so she's all heard it. all about the Francine booby talk? Yeah. Uh-huh. Do we need to, like, put our thing down, flip it, and reverse it? <laughs> no. Uh, my daughter doesn't pay attention to it. Well, she's going to be great as a, as a wife. Yeah, she is. She's... She's, uh, she's really cool. Okay, so now, apparently he hasn't broken his uh, wrist yet. Or maybe he has. Maybe he's in full Vader mode here, with even with the broken wrist. But take a look at what he's going to do here, man. Oof, oof, up top. Oof. Oop. Maybe not. And there it goes. There it is. Right there. Broke it. Hang uh, on. Man down. Yeah. See Vader holding himself. Yep, absolutely. But what can you do, right? Yeah, you just still get back up and do your shit, man. Get back up and do your shit. And he's even with a broken wrist and all, man, he's going to take another bump here, and he's going to do a fucking one of these fucking moonsaults. He's just amazing. Wow. Almost killed him right there, too, because Bubba slipped. You see Vader sort of holding them. No question. Again. Absolutely. Get One of the things I always liked about Vader is he wore like NFL lineman gloves, mm-hmm. which I thought at the time was a cool look. Right. This is before the UFC sort of popularized it. Right. Oh, and the boss off the top. I don't know what it was, but it was a lot of mask. A lot. <laughs> yeah, it was. And he went a long way too, man. And he's in the ropes. It's about time to shut this thing down, buddy. Randy Anderson has blood on his back. Wow. Yes, he does. Look at Vader. It's just staggering and bloody. Picky. Whoa. Holy Power shit. slam off the top rope. Oh, fuck. These guys are pulling yeah. out all the stops. One of the most underrated shows of WCW history, maybe. With this right one? Here. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's a transition show, too. From when it became super cartoony bullshit when Hogan comes in? I'm not saying that. You said that. But I'm, it's transition between... No, in a couple of months, you got fucking Honky Tonk Man, Hacksaw Jim Duggan... Brutus the fucking barber. Well, that, yeah, so, yes, Tenta, so yes. The dungeon of a transition from that. Look at this. Boom, man. Absolutely. That's, is that it? No, he's going to do the moonsault for the finish. I was trying to tease it like legitimate, but we'll go with spoilers. <laughs> okay. It could have been it, but he kicked out. Okay. Now comes the finish right here. Well, so yeah, it was, it's, it's, this was a transition one. This is. This is uh, BH before Hogan. 
A-H, after Hogan. Moonsault, kaboom. What a fucking deal, man. Man. You know, I know lots of people have something bad to say about Leon, but let me just say, motherfucker that size, yep. doing a moonsault that tight, yep. a lot of respect. He didn't have to do that to get over. No, he did not. He was already over. And a lot of guys say, hey, you're not working like a big man. You need to work like a big man. Be a big man. They get mad at guys when they do spots like that. But when Vader did a moonsault like that, holy mm-hmm. shit, that's something to see. you damn right. Hats off to Leon White, man, the baby bull. Absolutely. What a performer. Nine minutes and 17 seconds here uh-huh. is what these guys got. Okay. Look at him. He's got a broken wrist. He's still leaning on the, his wrist. And now we're going to, oh, no, we can't have this happen. We can't. Let's get dumb motherfucker up in the ring here. Oh, on the back of God's green earth, pounding away. And Randy Anderson goes down. And now Nick Bockwinkle is going to come in the ring and say, that's enough. That is enough. Absolutely. So, unfortunately, Nick Barkwinkle is put in a bad spot here where he mm-hmm. says, even though these weapons were allowed and fine in the other matches we saw tonight, like mm-hmm. the Chicago Street Fight and the Bunkhouse Brawl, right. they're not allowed here. So, he is no longer able to wrestle as the boss. So, right. give me your handcuffs and your nightstick. Right. He's gonna- so, there's a storyline reason for stripping him of the name and the gimmick so right. he can have a new gimmick, obviously because of some sort of legal situation with the big boss man and the world right. wrestling federation but chat me up here do we not make nick look like a fucking bumbling dumbass to say you can't use these things after mm-hmm. we're hitting goddamn people with shovels and shoulders well, yeah but nick was a bumbling dumbass so it all kind of worked right don't you think so i mean there's a there's a very uh online somewhere there's a a thing of with me talking, Nick Bockwinkle starts talking about some match and we're going to come back for a next at the next pay-per-view. And he couldn't remember the name of the pay-per-view. So I had to tell him the name of the pay-per-view and Heenan was laughing so much. He had to stand behind me off camera. So he was laughing at Bockwinkle stumbling through. And I'm thinking the fucking commission doesn't even know the name of our pay-per-views. So that's online somewhere. I've, I've seen that. I've seen somebody put it on, on YouTube or on Twitter or something. All right. So, with that in mind, uh, we're going to go to uh, another plea for a fucking kidney. Holy shit. All right. We appreciate everybody who's called tonight. 1-900-909-90. Would somebody frame this shot right? Thank God. Frame it. I should be fucking centered here. Center me up. Who the is Greg Leathers? Is, is Craig Leathers? Right? Craig, center my fucking ass up. All right. Never mind. One nine hundred nine oh nine ninety nine hundred. Kids, you don't need your parents' commission permission because tonight we're buying me a new kidney. And we may have to go to India, we may have to go to Pakistan, it doesn't fucking matter. I need a kidney. So let me tell you the call right now. Also standing by in the see how out of frame I am? What the fuck? What the fuck? It's almost like y'all were going to put a TV box up. It's, in the yeah, it's almost like somebody's supposed to walk in. Whew, thank God we put the graphic up. Aren't you glad we could put the graphic up? The WCW Wrestling Hotline tonight. It's the kidney donation hotline. one 900 Parents, please let your kids call. I am desperate. How do you like my makeup? Annette Yoder gave me my makeup. In about three or four years from now, she's going to try to take over the company. Right now, let's go back to the ring. Annette did, did do the makeup during that time. Oh, wow. Have you asked Eric about Annette Yoder? This, now, this is, look how fucked up this is. World title shot. Graphics, right? Oh, little music. Well, we're going to go to Gene. We're going to go to me? What the fuck? No, we're going to go there. 
Okay, that's that's that is WCW in a fucking nutshell. Let's rewind that one again. Okay, graphic? No, we're not gonna do that. Gene, we're not gonna do that. Oh, let's go to Jesse Ventura. What's Bachwinkle saying right now? Bachwinkle is saying, I just need to say a few words to you, Jesse. Uh, what's your name again? Uh, boss man? No, I can't say boss man. Oh, boss, we got to strip you of your shit. So I want the nightstick. Okay, I want the fucking badge, and I want the handcuffs. And we are stripping you of your fucking gimmick. Why? I have no fucking idea. Because my gimmick was to be the thinking man's wrestler, to be the brilliant man. But as most people knew, I was kind of fucking dumb. So that's kind of it. Now, boss is really pissed off about it. Jesse's looking at the monitor. And I'm just glad we got at this shot, Conrad, because apparently we didn't know where we were going. No, it's unfortunate. How would you describe Jesse, the body of Ventura's haircut? Here? Yeah, that was... Uh, is that one of those Alabama rat tails? No, it was an Alabama special that Lance Storm had. Okay. But when you're bald up top, I feel like it needs another name. It's like a, a Mongold look. Didn't the Mongols have those? Yes. Right. But they had it on the side, didn't they? The Mongolds? I, I wasn't alive back then. <laughs> you don't, don't remember the Mongolds? No. Somebody do a Mongold search for me online. They had the bald heads, and they had the little thing of hair hanging. I was hanging just up. going with it to not make you look dumb. Okay, well, you know? too late for that. See, now we don't know what we're doing. Where are we? Are we going? Michael Buffer says Buffer has no idea. Yeah, we coming Kenny to me. Powers has no idea. Mm, we don't know who's, who's music. We don't know, and we still don't know. Uh, and okay, we just do kind of uh, push in with this shot here a little bit. Keep pushing in. Where are we fucking going? People are screaming, I know, right and left behind the scenes in the truck right now. And Eric is probably dropping a deuce. What the fuck are we fucking doing? Come on. Would, would, would someone bring Steamboat out? We're crying out. Oh, here we go. Ricky Dragon Steamboat. Look at this silly horse shit. <laughs> so Steamboat is fresh off his run in the WWF. Of course, when he was last year in WCW, he was the world heavyweight champion battling Ric Flair. And he came out with his wife, Bonnie and his son, and he was a world champion mm-hmm. and that sort of sucked. But right. this shit, yeah, this shit, he's wearing his old WWF dragon wings on his back. And that's and because he was able to use this. And he's got a torch in his hand. Right. And he's got his mouth pursed because he's about to blow alcohol at it. Mm-hmm. What a fucking silly, silly thing. He's going to breathe fire. Here he goes. All right. Dale Torborg story, if I could. And the crowd goes mild. Okay. That's Dale, a lot of effort for no pop. You know, Dale Torborg did the uh, demon gimmick for us. That's remember right. that? Yeah. Okay. You love and, that shit. Oh, oh, yes, I did. And the demon gimmick would do two things. He would breathe fire, right? And he would spit blood. So he had he uh, he had the, uh, the fire in his mouth and also had the blood thing in his mouth. Okay. So he breathed the flyer, fire. Fire. In the fire, they put like lighter fluid in your mouth. And so that coach now coats your mouth where it's all slick and greasy. And instead of being able to breathe, to spit the blood, he swallowed the whole thing and went sliding right down the tube. He wasn't able to breathe it. What was the blood? Uh, it was a mixture of like. Uh, in my head, y'all went to Abdul the Butcher's, got a batch <laughs> no, of hepatitis. It was, I think good to go. it was food coloring and molasses and shit like that. Hey, if you know where this Ric Flair robe is, DM me on Twitter. Hey, hey, it's Conrad. I'll pay good damn money. I'm a buyer of all Ric Flair robes, but Mm -hmm. this one in particular is my holy grail, and it eludes me. I can't find it. Does he know where it is? 
Oh, he doesn't know where it is. <laughs> why, why would he? <laughs> Here's the thing. I think a lot of people think Ric Flair's like sentimental about all that shit. But he's, yeah, he's not. And he didn't care. No. Like in Ric Flair's man cave, yeah. he's got a picture I gave him, and yeah. he's got a picture of him and Charlotte, and uh-huh. that's it. Yeah. Like there's literally nothing else. Yeah, that's like, him. He didn't care. That's right. Man, I wish he'd have taken Ridlin. He would have probably but been. But that robe right there, that was as cool as cool guy. Man. Yes, it was, man. Absolutely. But that uh, belt underneath is just the not shits. the same. No, there's no way you can you can run that belt out after we've seen Sting with that other belt. That's right. Yeah. It feels second fiddle. Yeah. Michael Buffer with a little earring on his uh, left ear over there. What's up with that? I don't know. It's first time out there and Neville the show <laughs> and got the ears pierced. Yeah, out. it's the first time I've noticed that, man. Michael Buffer, pretty funny guy behind the scenes. Had a good sense of humor. Michael Buffer is funny, but Bruce Buffer is hilarious. Is it really? I saw Bruce Buffer. I used to go to UFC in Vegas almost every month. Yeah. Back before I got way back into wrestling. It was a fun excuse to go out and gamble and drink and watch fights and whatever. Uh-huh. And so one of the one of the times I went, the fight was at Mandalay Bay, and I went to the steakhouse inside Mandalay Bay, and I wound up having a reservation one table over for Michael Buffer, or Bruce Buffer, uh-huh. and Bruce came in with two chicks. Uh-huh. And so I'm thinking, oh, look, it's the announcer from UFC. That's pretty cool. And one for me. And he, no, I was with someone, oh, okay. and he decided to uh, get a cheap pop from the girls uh-huh. when it comes time to order. Okay. And he's like... We're going to have the mashed potatoes. <laughs> and then we'll have the filet. She wants hers medium rare. She wants hers medium rare. And I'll have mine medium. I was like, this motherfucker, he's about to get more ass than a toilet seat. Yeah. I mean, that shit was over like her over. And probably Those later girls, that night, he said, one of you sit on my face. And the other you sit down here. Dude, he closed that deal. He closed that deal. Yeah, I'm sure he did. <laughs> Oh, yeah, of course, we're in there with, you know, just regular casino patrons. Yeah. And they're all like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And I'm like, this guy's getting his shit in. That's oh, what he's doing. Oh, very cool, man. All right. Larry's flair with the shitty. You don't you don't own that shitty belt, do you? Or no, do you? Dave Milliken does. And he appreciates you shitting all over. Okay. He's got it framed and on his wall with okay. a little plaque. Of course, Sting held that one. Vader, Lex Luger, Ron Good. Simmons. All right. And, uh, of course, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Only a handful of Ric Flair world titles. You know, he held that WWF one with a broken wing that Triple H has in his office. Yeah. He held the Dome Globe that you love so much that you grew up with. Also in Triple H's office. Dave Milliken has that one. And nobody really knows where the big gold belt is. Hmm. Yes, we do. Dave Milliken, he, he makes belts? He does, yes. Whatever happened to you, buddy, Leather by Dan? Did you? Oh, Belts by Dan. He's still around. He made a belt for uh, Bruce that I awarded Bruce over WrestleMania weekend for our reigning, defending, undisputed podcast of the year, Something to Wrestle. Wow. They're doing quite well, aren't they, Cassio? And they fucking let you know it, too. Well, we're number one on the network. Yeah. Two-time, two-time podcast of the year. Those trunks right there that Flair's sporting, I actually have upstairs. Wow. David Flair gave them to me when he told mm-hmm. me the barbarian story. <laughs> he said, hey, you want these fucking things? And I said, as a matter of fact, I do. So. <laughs> and then he said, Tommy Young. Tommy Young. <laughs> T-shirt available now at LoisRules.com. And mm-hmm. this is, uh, man, one for the ages. These guys, if you ask them, they would say they had their best matches in the 70s. Of course, most of us grew up on their trilogy in 89, which most people regard as the greatest matches of all time. Three five-star matches, according to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. And now they're going to try to reprise that five years later. Of course, their first match in 89 was in February, Chi-Town Rumble. 
And then we saw two following the clash of the champions, which we recently covered that went head to head with WrestleMania five. And of course, wrestle war from Nashville, good old JR had the privilege of calling all three. And now they're trying to put on a clinic here again, five years later. And, uh, it's not going to be nearly as good as the three before. And I think this probably didn't meet expectations. A lot of people expected this to be match number four of that 89 trilogy. But by this point, neither one of them are quite the performer they were five years earlier. That's not to say that they're not phenomenal wrestlers. This isn't a great match, but it wasn't that mind blowing match that we saw on 89. Yeah. Well, a couple of things here. And, and this is, this is classic Ric Flair. You know, I, I mentioned this on an earlier podcast. Flair always knew what was going on before his match. So he knew that Vader and boss man or the boss had a pretty ass kicking bloody type match so he was going to try to tone it down at the beginning of this match make it a little bit slower and then build up to a finish and you'll see as they build up to it it's kind of a fucked up finish but you see as they build up to it they do they 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 do a lot more chopping and they really pick up the pace as we move forward now for me and i'm old school and if dick Bourne was here he would agree with me the best Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat match was Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling back in 1977 or 78. I think 77. 70, 77, when Flair dropped the television strap to Ricky Steamboat and made him a star. That, to me, was... And, of course, it was a television match, so it was much shorter than the rest. But that... And it just goes to show you that, as a wrestling fan, it not only... Great matches not only stand out, but the impact they made stands out. Because we're still talking about it 40 years later. Exactly. And the impact to me was this kid, this good-looking kid, Ricky Steamboat, came out who could do some things. All of a sudden, he's a television champion. And that has had an impact on, on me throughout all these years. So You know, um, I, I'm doing a podcast with uh, Eric Bischoff soon called 83 Weeks. And our mm-hmm. first episode is going to be about when Hulk Hogan joined the NWO. And we'll cover the beginning of the NWO from when Scott Hall first signed until Hulk Hogan debuted as the third man in the NWO and almost everybody unanimously says that the NWO was one of the greatest angles ever. Ric Flair is fucking adamant. It was one of the worst things ever Mm. and his measure. And this just shows you sort of, uh, you know, a look into his thinking is who did they put over? Who did they make? What did they build? And, at the time, I, I thought it was just sort of sour grapes when I heard him. But right. now I look back and I think, you know, Ric Flair made Lex Luger. Can we agree? Right. Ric Flair made Sting. Ric Flair made Ricky Steamboat. Right. We could keep going. Right. Who did the NWO make? I really struggled with that. And so I think that's a different way of looking at things rather than, hey, was it good? Was it not? Were you a fan? Were you not? It was the value it brought to the business. And mm-hmm. I think Flair's perspective was the value you bring to the business as a performer is who else did you help make? I mean, right. Flair was the guy who gave DDP his first world title win. Right. I mean, you just go down the list. Kerry Von Erich, right? Kerry Von Erich. Right. Great example. Right. You know, there's just so many, and I'm not, this isn't just a, a plug for pop pop. I'm just talking about the NWO because we're seeing Ricky Steamboat here and really and truly he had a phenomenal match with the macho man, but a few months after that, he's out of there. You know, right. they never really capitalized on that. Right. Maybe because of his personal situation with Bonnie, maybe he was just tired of being on the road. Maybe he wasn't happy with his contract, but if he would have left there and came to WCW and not beat Ric Flair for the world title, who was Ricky Steamboat then? Right. Yeah. Well, Flair makes a good point. And 
it's something that uh, I hope you're going to hit uh, Eric with. I want to know in your opinion, though, like. Well, here's my my opinion about the NWO. Yeah. It it kept us in business for another five oh, or six no years. Doubt. And I think you could argue that that night, and we had a big debate earlier because I, I hadn't seen it in a long time, so I wanted to watch Bash at the Beach, at least that match where Hogan turned. Mm-hmm. And I really do think you could argue that the night that Hogan turned is the most important night in the history of wrestling. Because without him turning, I don't know that they would have really embraced Attitude and Stone Cold. I don't know that the catalyst of growth that we saw for both companies would have really happened and taken off had the NWO not been as successful as it was. The NWO being as successful as it was made the WWF get a little edgier. We saw DX. We saw Stone Cold. We saw mike tyson we saw people really doubling down on things we saw sting become a breakout character we saw goldberg get his crowning moment beating hulk hogan but right. had hogan not turned and he was still this white meat baby face character it might not have turned out the way it did so in effect rick flair is right the nwo didn't make anybody but the nwo made wrestling made the promotions it gave the promotion an edge right and it gave them something to sort of rebel against. I mean, I, we say it didn't really make anything, but it made Goldberg. Sure did. I mean, well, and I guess we should say Hulk Hogan made Goldberg. Because mm-hmm. there was never even really a rematch from that. You go back and you look, where did Hogan get his heat back on Goldberg? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So right. it was a selfish thing of Hogan. That's probably what Rick would argue. Yeah. And I understand his thinking here. But uh, the fact is, I... I really, at the beginning, didn't enjoy this match. But as as we move along here, I really did enjoy it. And These they, guys get a lot of time here, too. Right. You know, and they're, and they're doing a tremendous... It's really phenomenal to mention. I, I, I'm just stuck on this. They drew 125000 at the gate. And it's the biggest in this building since 1991 when Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair were there for the WWF. Chicago is historically a WWF town. Right. Would you agree with that? Yes, it is. And so Hulk Hogan, biggest star in the business in 91, would you agree? I would. Ric Flair, second biggest star in the business, would I you would. agree? Right. They only drew 135. So only $10,000 more with the two biggest stars in the history of the business. And now you're back here with Ricky Steamboat, no disrespect, but he's no Hulk Hogan as far as box office goes. Right. And it's only a $10,000 difference. It really is phenomenal. And let me tell you what Dave Meltzer had to say about this match. He says... Flair was awarded a decision in a clumsy and nonsensical post-match after going to a double pin with Ricky Steamboat in 32-21. No matter how hard he was training, the reality is an athlete can't be as good at 45 as he was at 40 or at 41, much less as he was at 36. And no matter how much comedy and gimmicks are involved in pro wrestling, certain performers are also excellent athletes who rely heavily on their athletic ability once the bell rings, and few in this country more than these two. No, this wasn't as good as 89, and it was unrealistic to expect it to be. They were the two best wrestlers in the world at that time, both at the peak of their games with complementing styles against one another, doing what at the time was state-of-the-art. Now they are, quote-unquote, just two great wrestlers having an excellent match, and considering the quality of this show, that so many voted as the best match on the show, it shows just how good it really was. It was announced that Flair was awarded the decision by Bockwinkle since Steamboat failed to beat him, and on a tie, the decision goes to the champion. But to tune in on television on Saturday, because the decision may be reversed. It was actually a simple double pin finish, which is traditional title match draw, 
in Lucha Libre since those matches have no time limit. Apparently, this one was done to set up a television rematch to pop a big rating, perhaps at the June Clash. I think it's a bad policy to ask fans to spend twenty four ninety five for a pay-per-view and then tell them they have to wait a week to find out who won the main event, but at least they didn't tell them to call the 900 line. To get a the, kidney. The idea of a double pin finish with the challenger in command and executing the hold to lead to a rematch is a good finish, provided the issue is eventually resolved. This is soap opera. If there is no rematch, this was a weak finish. And most had the latter feeling with the match. After all, this is still WCW with a tremendous track record to live down. Four and one quarter stars. So he's a big fan of it. Gives it the high, a really high rating here. Uh, four and a half is what we saw with the Cactus Jack match. Four stars for the Dustin match. Four and a quarter here. I don't know of many pay-per-views that had these high ratings. Right. We have lots of fun on this show, and normally it's more fun to make fun of the bad stuff. We've tried to have fun with some really great stuff. But this match was really doomed from the start because the bar was just set so high from 1989. If you had to sort of armchair quarterback it, hindsight being 2020, what finish would you have went for instead of the one we're going to see? I would have put a steamboat over and did a title switch. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to argue. Yeah. It makes him, you know, without it, right. he's he's sort of yeah. dead in the water. Exactly. I I agree with everything that Meltzer said right there, with the exception of one thing. I, I don't think that fans, because of the finish of this match, felt they got screwed out of twenty four ninety nine. I think you look at the entire show, and fans walk away saying, you know, that last finish was kind of shitty, but that's a hell of a show. Right. So I don't think you can also you can just say because the final match is finish was shitty, which it was, that fans say, Boy, I fucked my fucked away my money money that time. I don't agree with that at all. I just think that there's more to a a pay per view than just the final match. And they did some great shit, man. I mean they and again they're gonna again as you know, Flair's calling this match, they're gonna pick up the pace here and it's gonna get a little bit quicker and everything and they're gonna start chopping each other and it, they're going to go on the outside and uh, pick up the intensity. And it all ended up pretty good. And then, of course, the finish came, and we all went, eh. Let me ask you this. If this match had a different finish, mm-hmm. if this match wasn't after so many other great matches, yeah. and if those three matches in 1989 hadn't happened, would this be a five-star match? Uh, I know there's a lot of what-ifs I laid out there. Yeah. Let me run through them again. It's a clean finish. You're not following all these incredible matches we've had so far. Right. And 1989 never happened. Right. Is this a five-star match? Uh, it's damn close, is it not? It's close, but you also got to – the awarding of stars and half stars and quarter stars is not only based on what happens in the ring. I think it's also based on – The story. The story and what era you're in as well. And you think Chicago maybe wasn't the town for these guys? Right. Okay. Yeah. I think uh, – you know, a Charlotte, a Greensboro, Atlanta. Oh, well, there's no doubt if they're in Atlanta, Charlotte, yeah. or if they're in the Carolinas or Georgia, yeah. that's a different deal. And, and what's going to happen is, as as watching a match like this, you get in one of those towns, the fans are going to be a little bit more into it because they're a, bit, a little bit more into these guys. And because the fans are into it, you're going to think the match a little bit better than it was. Let me say this, too. No disrespect to these guys because, as you know, I love them both. Yeah. But – you, you better love pop-pop, I can tell you that. Everybody knows I do. That, okay. that they're trying to work this headlock gimmick like they are. Mm-hmm. This is just a few minutes after 
Dustin and Bunkhouse were bleeding everywhere. Right. It's an hour after they're hitting motherfuckers with shovels in the face. Right. Right. It's really hard to get behind. Oh man, that headlock hurts. Right. And, and I just think the undercard may have hurt him a little bit because when I say Shot Town Rumble, most people struggle to tell me what match there was besides this one. Right. You know. Sure. And when I say Clash of the Champions, you know, from from '89 in New Orleans, nobody knows what's on that card except this. Yeah. Even Wrestle War, people struggle to think of a match besides this one but when you say spring stampede 94 a lot of people mentioned three matches mm-hmm. and i think that really hurts this one a little yeah bit. i agree with that wow I, i'm thinking of raging cage and i got that in my brain now too when they seemed like they were wrestling in church yeah there was nobody there nobody there by the man. way that that's the first time that we first did <laughs> sassafras which is now one of the better selling shirts mm. over at prowrestlingtees.com. Mm-hmm. You can check it out at loisrules.com or just click around and see any of our other wrestling bros who are selling shirts. And we should remind you that eventually when you buy a shirt at loisrules.com, Tony, you're going to call and thank them. How far behind are you on your calls right now? Um, a month and a half. Okay. So at about, if you buy a shirt today, mm-hmm. by the end of the summer, no, Tony uh, Shivani's calling to thank you. Yeah, buy a shirt. <laughs> Would you stop laughing over there, Cassio? But if you buy a shirt today, which is like the end of April, you'll get a call in probably June. There you go. Now, if you go to savecade.com, mm-hmm. we're going to hit your ass up in about 10 minutes. <laughs> savecade.com, savecade.com. Let me tell you why it's so easy to apply. Whoa, there's a big chop. Now we're picking up the steam here a little bit. When you, woo, when you uh, lose your place in the match, just chop. Just chopping, man. Watch behind me there. This is oh, sort of a weird deal here because Flair is still a baby face here, mm-hmm. but only until Hogan comes in, which isn't that far ahead. Right. I mean, if Hogan's coming to town, Flair's got to be a heel, right? Sure, because you want to see Flair and Hogan on a pay-per-view, right? Speaking mm-hmm. of pay-per-views, mm-hmm. the Wrestling Observer readers gave this 90.5% thumbs up. Wow. Uh, 2.7% thumbs down and only 6.9% thumbs in the middle. Wow. Where are you at? Thumbs up, down, or? In oh, the thumbs up. You're talking about the whole show? Yep. Yeah. How many, uh, how many of those were thumbs down again? Uh, 90.5 was thumbs up. Okay. 2.7 is thumbs down. And of 2.7, what does that work out numbers wise? How many? Does 12. Say? Yeah. Those 12 fuckers need to kill themselves. Well, they might have. Yeah. Thank God. Let's take some questions for Twitter. If you've got some questions for us, you can ask them on both Facebook down. or Twitter. Yeah. And uh, we're doing different topics every single week. You can keep up with our schedule over at Facebook or Twitter. Mm-hmm. We're doing a WCW Saturday night next week, and I'm pretty excited about that. Mm-hmm. And it's the one where Randy Owen is on the set. And I can't mm. believe that's even a thing. Mm. Uh, but it is, and we're looking forward to covering that. And I feel like... The Kip uh, Fry era back then, buddy. Absolutely. Well, let me run down exactly what we're doing again in case you're kind of lost in the sauce. We're going to do that WCW Saturday night. It's May 9th, 1992, next week. And if you want to ask a question, you can. On May the 7th, we're going to cover Slamboree 98. That's where Bischoff would challenge Vince McMahon to a fight. Wow. On May the 14th, we're covering Capital Combat 1990, Tony's first show back at the company. It's also where fucking RoboCop 
showed up mm-hmm. uh, on May 21st. We're covering the Legends Reunion, Slambury 1993. And then on May 28th, we're doing the 22-year anniversary of Scott Hall showing up on Nitro. That, of course, went down on May 26, 1996. So set your calendar. He is at Tony Schiavone 24. I am at Hey Hey, it's Conrad. And you can always tweet the show at WHW Monday. Mm, okay. So we got a lot of good things coming up, uh, a lot of crazy things coming up, and things to talk about in my memories of those things. Uh, in the midst of all this, uh, again, they're starting to uh, pick up the pace here a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course it's always good when you can chop each other and they're, they're getting ready to, and we're, I don't know, we're about 20 minutes away from the end of the show. Yeah. We're at two twenty eight and change right now. Right. If you're following along at home, they're really getting ready to hook it into high gear as far as chops are concerned. And then the fans are really starting to get into it because, you know, Flair's going to, Flair is kind of stalking him. Steamboat chops him back. Man, I'm telling you, they used to, there's, they, they ain't pulling punches here, kids. No, they're, they're not. wide open. No, wide hey, open. Yeah. I feel like I should mention, um, you, you asked me before I went to pee pee out of my penis a little earlier. Oh, I'm, I'm glad he did it out of his penis, aren't you? <laughs> Rick Flair okay. was on the Tonight Show this week. Was on what show? Tonight Show. Yeah, it's right. on NBC. Doing the Flair drip, thing. right? Yes, the Rick Flair drip. <laughs> right. <laughs> Rick Flair drip right. was on NBC, the Tonight Show, Offset, Metro Boom, and they were there performing their platinum hit single, Rick Flair drip. It's about to go double platinum. Uh-huh. And uh, Jimmy Fallon actually set up a little ring for him. Did you see the video? No, I haven't seen it. He set up a video. I'm doing baseball. Now, where they know? could. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. They could do almost like a video shoot where mm-hmm. they had a real wrestling ring. Or right. I mean, it looked like a ring. It's right. not really. It's real ropes and whatnot. Right. It's nothing Klondike would have built. No. Yeah. Okay. Not up to Klondike standards. Look okay. at this pile driver on the floor. Uh-huh. Nope. Flair. Back body drop yes, for Flair there you onto go. the mat. Uh, and then Metro Boomin comes out. Right. And he's the DJ. And then Offset comes out. And he's wearing... Ric Flair's purple robe, the one that's filled with sequins that he wore against Vader at Starcade 93. Right. Uh, I think he wore it against Hogan at Bash at the Beach here later this year. Anyway, and then eventually Flair struts ass out there in a that big red pop, and right? gold one. Yeah. Big pop. He was the surprised, unannounced guest. Right. And as you know, I love me some pop pop, but he has proved that white men can't dance. <laughs> right. The, I mean, it, yeah. is, it was like a, uh, there was... I don't know, a ride at the old folks' home. Sure, or something. right, right. It was hilarious. Well, you do understand that back in the day, Ric Flair never did have to have to ask a girl to dance to get her in the sack. No, no. So, no. He, so that was not part of his his gimmick. Well, his gimmick was show him you show him your dick and then take him upstairs. <laughs> that was his gimmick. Oh, you know there was a. Uh, do you ever watch UFC? UFC? Yeah. No, I've, I've got baseball. Have you? Know. you <laughs> <laughs> Are you familiar with a fighter from Georgia? He's from Athens named Forrest Griffin. No. Uh-uh. So Forrest Griffin was a UFC fighter, I don't know, a decade ago. Well, there's a spot you don't usually see. Whoa. And he um, he he was on the show Tough Enough, which was their reality show. Right. Not Tough Enough. I'm sorry. Ultimate Fighter. Okay. So it's like their version of Tough Enough, the WWE show. And uh, he gets down to the end and has a barn burner of a fight with Stefan Bonner. They both wind up getting contracts, and he's officially a UFC fighter. Well, he wrote a book, and in his book, he shared that his gimmick for picking up ladies, and I think you'll like this, is he would go to the bar and start talking about how small his penis was. Mm. And then he would ask the girls if they would take a look. Mm. 
and give his their opinion like is mm-hmm. it really that small is it really that bad and then eventually they would just go for it and then he would reveal that uh, it wasn't that small roll tide is that not like the best worst wow. gimmick ever that's something that's uh... i mean i told flair that mm-hmm. and have he he started dating wendy a week later <laughs> i don't know if that has anything to do with anything <laughs> Uh, just a coincidence i would think oh and now uh she was now look look how steamboats are laying them in here man and not only look how flair is selling them ah this is i'm telling you this is a phenomenal match yes it is yes face first ghost flair the flare bomb yes sir gotta have respect for that yes sir foot on the ropes ricky steamboat doesn't get the pin. Mm-hmm. And Flair's going to shoot him on the outside here. And he's going to come right back in. Bow. Yeah, they're really they're The fans are really starting to get into it now. And, you know, in these later years, Flair would want you to pull down his pants here from behind. He would say, just grab him and I'll show everybody my ass. Why uh, do you think that was his deal? He's an exhibitionist of sorts? No, I don't think we've. I don't think we've ever established that. There's one of these. Well, a great, great block that time. One of Flair's great moves is that knee drop. The Harley race knee drop. He right. stole from Harley. Sure he did. And now the figure four. Look at the way Flair's head movement is I know. selling the injury. Yeah, saying no, no, no. And then he goes down and up. Man, this is a masterful performance. By yes, both of these yes, guys. it is. It's a, it's a shame that it slept on as much as it is because right. it's not 1989. Let's go to some questions from Twitter. Are you ready? Well, it's got a four plus star rating, so it's. So Mike it's wants to know: Do you guys feel like DDP and Johnny B. Bad wrestled on every pay per view card? Yes. Um, Tommy <laughs> wants to know: Why does the Brian Pillman Lord Stephen Regal match not get any love? It's got to be because it's a draw, right? Yeah, that's yeah, no finish. Russell wants to know, what did Tony think of Chicago? I love Chicago. Where's I, your pizza I, joint? You got a pizza joint in Chicago? Yeah, Pizzeria Uno. Or really? Pizza, or Pizzeria Dewey. I'm taking you to, because um, we're going to be there. I guess this is as good a time as any to announce that you and I are going to be participating in the StarCast uh, weekend, which is going down in conjunction with All In. I know the tickets are going to be on sale soon. And I believe they're making the announcement for that on May 13th. So hopefully you'll join us for both All In and for StarCast. Tony and I are going to be bringing our show there. And when you pick up StarCast tickets, whenever they're on sale, you'll be able to see Tony and I do our thing. And we have a special guest or two lined up, don't we, Tony? Yes, we do. I'm looking forward to that. It's it's very close to us right now. It's weird. It's not Casio, but Casio can come if you want. Okay. It's weird to get you out of the house when you don't have baseball, but we're actually going to have you on Thursday and Friday of Starcast weekend. And I'm working on Saturday. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm I'm changing. Let me let me interrupt the questions right here to say that I'm I'm going to start to change my life. Okay. I'm going to start to change my life. I have. I love the University of Georgia. I'm never going to lose them. I love baseball, and I love wrestling. So. Almost, almost changed my life. We're gonna find a way to make it work. Gonna find to make things way because Conrad Thompson has changed my life. Yes, yes, and so I'm gonna find a way to make it work. I mean, look, 
I, there's nobody else's house I could go to and say, I'm going to so-and-so's house. Lois would raise a bitch. But when I say I'm going to Conrad's house, she'd say, oh, great, have a good time. Tell him I said hello. <laughs> so, so that's one of the ways it's changed my life. So, uh, yeah, so we're going to have a great year. We're going to have a great year. I'm, I'm excited about it. We hope yeah. you join us at StarCast. But while we're up there, I'm taking you to Pequod's Pizza. Pequod's? Have you had Pequod's before? I've never had a Pequod. No. So what they're famous for is, of course, the deep dish that Chicago is known for. But they've got like this burnt end on the crust. Yeah. Woo, son. Woo. That's real tied. Burn my Pequod. If you could, yes. Mm-hmm. Burn my Pequod. <laughs> it just sounds good, doesn't it? Hey, I don't yeah. even know that Medusa's coming. Settle down. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um... What is Tony's favorite musical? That comes to us from A.G. Fad. Uh, the greatest music of all time is Les Miserables. I don't know about that. And next is uh, My Fair Lady. Mm. Yeah. I don't like either one of those. Uh, Mike wants to know, did Tony ever do any partying after the event? So you're in Chicago. This was a famous horseman town 10 yep. years prior. Right. Chat me up. What was your favorite party spot here in Chicago? Uh, well, we always went on to Rush Street. And uh, there Snuggery. was snuggeries at Rush Street was our favorite place. Even here. Yeah. Can I tell you about uh, you've met uh, Larry Thompson before? I'm sure my I father. Have. Yes. I'll be said. I'm sure I have. <laughs> he said Larry. He said he said first name and last name. Well, because you don't know him as dad. You know him as Larry. Well, I know him as Larry, but not as Larry Thompson. I was thinking there was a guy in Chicago sure. called Larry. We're talking about Snuggery in Chicago, and I'm sure you've met Larry Thompson. Oh, yes. He's the Mater D at Snuggery. Well, here's <laughs> my dad was indeed the Mater. No. Okay. Here's why I brought it up. My dad can't say the word Chicago. Really? Yeah. What does he say? Chicago. Chicago? <laughs> Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> Seriously. We'll call him later and I'll have a okay. day for you. Chicago. Well, you know, uh, Dick the Bruiser couldn't either. What'd he say? Chicago. Oh, there you go. Yeah. We're going to Chicago. Then we're going down to Gary. We're going to have a match at Hammond. And we're going to finish up the run in Indianapolis. Did you hear they're, uh, they're doing a statue to Dick the Bruiser in Milwaukee? Really? I got, got funded. A, a giant bronze statue going to be in a central spot in the city. It, and, really? They funded thousands of dollars, like thirty-five grand. They raised for this thing. Wow! And they had one donor for more than ten grand who was a big fan of De Bruiser. And I'm sorry, it's De Crusher. De Bruiser's shit. My right. Bad. The Crusher. Yeah. The, All right. Uh, Chris Clary wants to know: Did Tony watch Charlotte and Oscar? Does he feel they could be Flair Steamboat version two? Uh, I did not watch it. I, I saw the finish of it, but I didn't watch the entire match. I don't know if they can be Flair Steamboat two. Uh, I'm. I'm not. This will probably never buy me any time on the network. I'm not that big of an Oscar fan. I think she's been put into a tough role. I don't know that anybody is. Yeah, really. I mean, I, I appreciate what Oscar's doing, but yeah. at the same time, I don't know that she's connected. Yeah, with fans, and that's right. what we're talking about. Exactly. Who can be passionate about? And I think yeah. as far as just a promo, people, um, a lot of American fans are trying to figure it out. Like, right. We want to like you because you win. Right. But why should we like you? Right. The right. why is what people are struggling with. Right sure, now. sure. Um, interestingly enough, I know that you probably don't keep up with women's wrestling as much as you might have used to back when you were in the makeup chair. Mm. But Ric Flair actually refers to Sasha Banks. You know who Sasha is? It's WWE. Do. He calls her Steamboat. So whenever they're in catering and he sees her, or whatever, he'll yell Steamboat, and she turns her head because he's just ingrained that in her head that Charlotte and Sasha are the female modern day version of flare steamboat that we're seeing here wow. in the ring okay uh caleb wants to know who was the better wrestler danny bonaducci or christopher <laughs> knight 
It was Danny Bonaducci. Because come on now, the song that I'm singing, he made me happy. Look at he the made splash me happy. here from Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Ooh. Swing and a miss. Three quarters of the way across the ring. Mm-hmm. What an athlete Steamboat was. Oh, he was tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. Uh, and now that's going to lead Flair to go with the figure four leg lock. And the fans are going to pop when he puts it on. You see him standing. See? They think this is it. They think it's it. And look at Steamboat holding the leg, refusing to let it go on. What a great story they told. The little details like this is what made sure. these matches great. It's what made these two competitors great. Not letting the leg go all the way down. Uh-huh. He finally gets it on. And look at the crowd. A second pop out of them. Right. You know, I, I, I look at these matches and I think so many things. But what I think most of all is that damn Ric Flair could call a great match. You know, I, I'm glad you brought that up because oh, wow. I feel like one of the reasons he was probably put in a position to be a booker mm-hmm. is people had such great respect for what he could do as far as putting matches together. But right. it does make you wonder, was he really that great at creative as far as storylines and whatnot, or was he just great as far as being a ring general? He was great at he was great at being a ring general when Ric Flair's in the ring. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. And that and as far as booking two other guys, no, I don't think so. And a lot of people will take that what you and I just said as a knock, but the reality is there's a lot of guys who can't call a fucking match. So exactly. if you're going to be the best yeah. of all time at calling a match, that's not a bad thing to right. me. If you take what Conrad and I just said as a knock, delete your Twitter account. Get off of it. There's enough people in the sewer without you being another turd floating floating in there. Okay. So speaking, speaking of turds. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. I can't transition. Okay. Uh, Angela Zimmerman wants to know, Ricky Steamboat's real life last name is Blood, which is pretty badass. Right. Why do you think he didn't use it in some capacity? That's actually a great question because you got Steamboat, and I know that you're going to give us a real logical reason for using Steamboat, but holy shit, Blood as a last name? He told me that he told me this story. I had him on my radio show in Atlanta and he told Let's me plug that. that what channel, what time? Okay. Uh, it is, <laughs> it is not on during the summer because I've got baseball. Let's move know. along. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, uh, he, he told me the story and I can't remember who it was. It was, no, it was Vern Gagne that told him that he didn't think blood was a good baby face name and he looked like a baby face. So blood is a heel last name, right? But so, what a fucking name. Yeah. So it was Vern Gagne that told him we need to change it. It would be like if your last name, your legit last name was Vader. Right. Right? Like, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah, right. We're going with that. And you're a baby face. Eh, not working. Uh, Jay wants to know, was Michael Buffer announcing Regal wearing royal blue with red trim the dirtiest thing ever said in WCW? Not by a long shot. Um, one of my favorite things about commentary here from Bobby Heenan is when he said, and I thought this was pretty good that Regal had been given that robe or that cape by Prince Charles. Prince Charles, right. It's pretty fun. Yeah, I oh, know. He was he was on top of his game here, man. He was really a lot of fun to work with at this time. Kenny wants to know, how did WCW get into the Rosemont Horizon, which is now the All-State Arena, uh-huh. and how did you wind up booking WCW shows at United Center circa 1997? Was there a trade with WWE that we don't know about then? I think the answer is no. You guys weren't doing anything friendly with them. No. But it feels like somebody had a hookup, whether it was a disgruntled employee, you guys were offering a better split. How do those deals come together? Is that a Gary Juster deal? Gary Juster had a lot to do with it, but here's who had a lot to do with the United Center was Ric Flair's good friend, Bruce MacArthur of the Words Corporation. The general. The general, right. Still a big deal there. Right, who was part owner of the Blackhawks. 
And then once, of course, we started getting the United Center because we could sell it out. Referee right bump here accidentally, but yeah. he slides right back in, doesn't sell it. Normally, when you take a spill like that to the outside, you're knocked unconscious. Right. All of a sudden here, Nick Patrick is a goddamn Superman, slides right back in. I think it worked. And here's double chicken wing. This is how he won it last time. This is how he won it last time. This is how he won it last I think somebody told me that in my ear. So I'm screaming that now, right, right now. Uh, and uh, this is how he won it last time in Chicago. <clears throat> New Orleans. Uh, he retained in New Orleans. Okay. This. And this is going to be the finish. One, two, three. And now I like how Nick Patrick sells this. Does a real good job. See him standing there. Like, wait a minute. They were both down. He's wiping the sweat away from his brow. Definitely calling for the bell. But now he's got his open palms like, I don't know. What is it? (laughs) Where's my belt, motherfucker? By the way, is this some of the best shape Flair's ever been in? When he was in that chicken wing, you could count the abs. That's not normal for Flair. No, it's not. Mm Mm-mm. Okay, now the discrepancy is, wait a minute, we're going to check with Nick Bockwinkle. Now we know there's a reason that dumbass. So Randy Anderson, Nick huh? Patrick, and Nick Bockwinkle. Mm-hmm. Are these the three stooges or what? Yeah. We should have we should have run Aaron Neville in there just to try to really fuck it up. <laughs> Aaron said, I just want to be here, man. Uh, so now he's telling uh, Nick Bockwinkle that both were pinned at the same time. I counted three and both were pinned. And Nick's saying, I have no idea what I want to say here. What, what am I supposed to say here? What? What? Uh, just what's what's the fucking answer? What were, what were the lines I was told backstage? I can't fucking remember them. Okay, yeah, we'll raise his hand. Ric Flair is still the world champion. So shitty finish, right? Terrible finish. Yeah, to to a a good match. I feel like we should. Um, and Steamboat here is upset and even pushing Nick Bockwinkel, mm. which is something you don't normally see from Steamboat, right? He's but, fired up, and not because Bonnie has told him he can't go out tonight. That's right, which he probably did. Uh, and there, of course, during the midst of the heat and everything, we, as apropos, blow off the fireworks. Yeah. They're arguing the ring. Let's bring up the fireworks. They're arguing. I don't care. Bring them up, motherfucker. Oh. I don't understand why you guys did that shot between those two metal trusses. So, uh, so you, that that's was a, like the go-to shot that night. That's a great, That's a Craig Leathers question. You ask him. So there's that piece of shit belt that Dave Milliken owns. Yeah. It's actually not that bad of a belt, but okay. it's not the big gold. And here's Tony Schiavone. Take it away. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, here's I was told that we had some sort of double finish in the back. They wrote it down for me to say to make the announcement, but I forgot my paper in the back, and then I forgot my Prevagen, so I couldn't remember my name. So then I got in the ring, and I looked at Nick Patrick, and I said, what the fuck am I doing here? And Nick said, I don't know you're the commissioner. I said, well, give me a fucking line to make me remember it. And Nick said, you were the AWA champion. I said, oh, yeah, that's right. And then all of a sudden, the Prevagen kicked in, and I said, Rick, raise Ric Flair's hand. So there, you, so now we're saying that you're a really dumb, uh, dumb son of a bitch. Well, again, I was given the line. I left the paper in the back. Had I not left the paper in the back, I would have known my line. I would know what to say. And I wasn't so sure even who was in the ring. All right. Thanks, Nick. We appreciate it. Uh, you've done a great job for a dumb, stupid son of a bitch. I just want to say that Prevagen does work. It's the stuff in made of jellyfishes, you know. Oh, really? okay, Henny, we'll talk to you in a minute. Would you quit tapping me? You're like my son. Nick, I'd just like to say that I don't have Prevagen, but I'm going to drink a fifth of vodka when this is all over with. Well, I know, Bobby, that's good with Prevagen as well. You know, that's got the ingredients in jellyfish. And old people remember shit now. I'm sure Larry Thompson would use it as well. 
Larry Thompson, the Mater D. Mater D at Snuggery. Snuggery. In, in Chicago. In Chicago. That's Chicago. Ex- <laughs> Chicago. That's exactly right. All right. So now me and Heenan just kind of argue on the way out. And Heenan said, this was really, you need to go back and listen to this. Heenan was really good with this. Arguing about, are we going to see it? Or are we going to make a decision? Should I be in the... Uh, on the committee now it was really good Heenan was doing his, his great work here James wants to know would Tony consider this WCW's best overall pay-per-view or does he think there's a better one wow that's a good question I think there's a better one although I don't know what it is <laughs> my prevision um, hasn't kicked in yet Wade wants to know it's got the ingredient in jellyfish yeah okay did Tony ever hit the town with the nasty boys Ooh, hell no good god those guys are fucking nuts Emmanuel wants to know who had the hotter wife, Johnny B. Bad or DDP? <sighs> Ooh. Uh, that's coin toss. Well, flip it and let's okay, call it. Okay, it is DDP. Gotta be. He had the Gotta hottest, be. had the hottest wife. Man. Okay. Roll Tide. Okay. Can we agree? Go dogs. So here we are. You can't say that about girls, man. We gotta come up with a different thing for you. Well, I ain't saying war fucking eagle. <laughs> well, what can you say? Okay, I don't know. How about go Braves? Okay, go Braves. Go stripers. <laughs> Hook them. Okay, so anything else? No, I mean, we're done if you want to be done. No, we're not. Uh, we're not done. I'm just looking. We're looking at the credits now and seeing some of the people that I liked and some of the There's people. Ron Thompson who did video. He's the major day at Snuggery. <laughs> he sure is. Uh, there you see Jack and Crockett, one of the cameramen. Tim Snyder did the cassette. I knew Wes Benton, Rick Little, all those guys. Darwin was a good guy. Woody Kearse was a well, How does Bob Bressler get breezed? Bob Breeze, Bre- he was he was a worthless piece of shit, so they put him in there, okay? <laughs> Why was he really a worthless piece of shit? He really he was, he was our librarian. He was fucking worthless. Did you say librarian? Librarian. There's no R's in that shit? <laughs> I feel like he just said librarian. Okay. He ran our library. <laughs> I don't even know what you're saying right now. There's makeup, Annette Yoder. So you're saying that the fucking makeup girl tried to take over the company? Pretty soon, her name would be moved on up. Senior consultant, mm-hmm. Jim Barnett. We okay. haven't heard your Jim Barnett impression in a while. <laughs> uh, no, you won't. Legal Beagle, Gary Jester. Legal Beagle? What yeah. type of name is that for a, a title? They were just they were fucking with Gary, that's all. Our next event, a Legends reunion. And that's Sunday, May 22nd in Philadelphia, and it's only on pay-per-view. Oh, I'm glad this thing's over. Whew. I'm glad it's over, too, but I'm looking forward to next week where we're going to cover WCW Saturday Night from May 9th, 1992. Uh, let me just tell you, I watched this show this week. You're not ready for what Tony and I are going to bring to you, and we're going to do it right here next week only on the MLW Radio Network, whwmonday.com. He is Tony Schiavone24 on Twitter. I am at Hey Hey, it's Conrad. And Tony, I can't help but feel like when I look at my clock, it's about that time. It's Cassio in the ring against Francine. One-on-one. My God, Danny Bonaducci's doing a run-in. He's got his pants down to his ankles. He bends over, gets kicked in the ass. Here comes Conrad. My God, Dick Bourne's in. It's a free-for-all. We're out of time. See you next week on WHW Monday on the MLW Radio Network. <laughs>